I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast, where, other than what we've been watching, we will bring back the long-awaited return of Triple Bill. And I am your host, Steve Ron. I'm joined by James Diamond. Yeah. Or maybe not. Uh, Jerry, <laughs> Ma- Jerry McCauley. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello, Newman. <laughs> Oh, Jerry. <laughs> the hell? This is a real team, and I'm the one doing the, the downbeat. <laughs> well, have we it's got... This is a spoiler for my, uh, my uh, triple bill. Hmm. Have, Newman. have we got any... Jerry Seinfeld's in your triple bill. Uh, not quite. Okay, all right, I'll shut up now. <laughs> Finally, it's only, it's only taken this long for you to shut up. <laughs> Right, have we got any site news and or movie news before we get underway? Bit of site news. Bit of site um, news. Yeah, well, yeah, there's some more stuff up. That's always news, isn't it? Uh, we've got Jerry's um, lovely decade in film piece about 2002. Really nice eclectic mix of films there. Really enjoyed reading that, so you can read that on there. We've also got some more pieces going up this week, and we've started our first... Um, best film of the day, but we, we're publishing them in advance these days uh, to try and stop us just making art quickly when we look at the TV guide when we get home from work. Um, and we've got plans for the Glasgow Film Festival as well. So, You've got plans, but I've got plans for Glasgow. No one, Glasgow. no one else, no one else has been invited again. I, I know, <laughs> shocking, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm starting off my solo career. <laughs> Film Festival, and yeah. was, you know, diary, you could you could have gone you could you could have gone the Cairns, you could have gone the Sundar, you got the Glasgow, gone the Glasgow to go and drink scotch. Scotland, Scotland cesspit, they call it. Oh, that's harsh. I like <laughs> Glasgow. I like it's it's, it's no Dundee. Uh, no, I, I like Glasgow. And um, also, you yeah. know, I think they keep telling you it's scotch. It's actually Buckfast. <laughs> No, I've still not had Buckfast. I'm going to have Buckfast while I'm up there. I'm going to have, and I'm going to have something deep fried. I'm going to have something deep fried and drink Buckfast and talk to our, what I like to think of our sister podcast, um, the Born Offside podcast, the football podcast. Uh, Dave McFarlane from there is going to join me for a few drinks and we're going to chat films and drink Buckfast. You're definitely going to eat Buckfast. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably going to eat a deep fried Snickers bar or something. Do you know, I, I fucking 
love that. You wouldn't I trust me. I love that. If I, you if I, would I, admit it because you've got like three points, haven't you? Yeah, I, I could have one right now. <laughs> not Kit Kat. And do you know what? They're not all that cracked up to be. The mint one. The mint one. The mint one's the best of these new flavours. Thank you. About time. Pe- peanut butter one, surely. Well, that's not one of the new not, ones, is it? I've not had that yet. Anyway, let's, let's, let's do let's do films and that. The quiz yes. has taken a bit of a different turn this week because mm. I had an idea while I was in the car driving back from football about 20 minutes ago. The, the idea is, rather than a quote from a film, you're going to have to identify which film a certain song comes from. So I've got two examples because this is new. This is a new okay, thing for the podcast. So I've got two little easy, easy little test ones for you to have a go at. So if you were to hear this, what film would it be from? Yeah, James. Yes, James. Men in black. You could have left that long so we could hear some more of that. Just <laughs> leave it longer. And the, uh... Yeah. Let's hear some more anyway. I think that's enough. So, obviously, not obviously, as good as Wild Wild West. No. Yeah, I played that, I played that the other week before the podcast. We've had enough of that. <laughs> so if you were to hear this, this is another practice one. What film would we be talking about? Gents. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't hear that. Let's be real. There we go, what is it, James? It means no worries. It's the Lion King, clearly. Yeah. There we are. So that's uh, that's how this part this quiz will work. Um so which film would this song be from? Jerry. I did hear you. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics podcast where other than what we've been watching we'll bring back the long-awaited return of triple bill and i am your host Steve Ron. i'm joined by james diamond whoop, whoop, whoop. yeah or maybe not uh jerry <laughs> Ma- jerry mccauley hello and owen hughes hello newman <laughs> oh <and> jerry <laughs> The L. This is a rip, too, and I'm the one doing the, the downbeat. <laughs> well, have we got... This is for my, uh, my uh, triple bill. Hmm. Have, Hello, Newman. Have we got any... Jerry Seinfeld's in your triple bill? Uh, not quite. Okay, all right, I'll shut up now. Hmm. <laughs> Finally, it's only, it's only taken this long for you to shut up. <laughs> right. Have we got any site news and or movie news before we get underway? Bit of site news. Bit of site um, news. Yeah, well, yeah, there's some more stuff up. 
that's always news, isn't it? Uh, we've got Jerry's uh, lovely decade in film piece about 2002. Really nice eclectic mix of films there. Really enjoyed reading that, so you can read that on there. We've also got some more pieces going up this week, and we've started our first um, best film of the day, but we, we're publishing them in advance these days uh, to try and stop us just making art quickly when we look at the TV guide when we get home from work. Um, and we've got plans for the Glasgow Film Festival as well. So, You've got plans? But I've got plans for Glasgow No one, Glasgow. No, one else, no one else has been invited. Again. I, I know, it's shocking, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm starting off my solo career at Film Critics. No, um, no, we've got plans. I'm going to I'm gonna call dear. We're going to do a podcast and I'm going to call in like I'm some kind of important big shot with news from the Film Festival. And... Yeah. I was, you know, diary. you could have you gone, gone the Cannes, you could have gone the Sundard, you got gone the Glasgow. Gone the Glasgow to go and drink scotch. Scotland's, Scotland's cesspit, they call it. Oh, that's harsh, I like <laughs> Glasgow. I like, it's, it's, it's no Dundee. Uh, no, I, I like Glasgow. And, um, also, you know, I think they keep telling you it's scotch, it's actually Buckfast. <laughs> no, I've still not had Buckfast. I'm going to have Buckfast while I'm up there. I'm going to have and I'm going to have something deep fried. I'm going to have something deep fried and drink book fast and talk to our, well, I like to think of our sister podcast, um, the Born Offside podcast, the football podcast. Uh, Dave McFarlane from there is going to join me for a few drinks and we're going to chat films and drink book fast. You're definitely going to fast. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably going to eat a deep fried Snickers bar or something. Do you know, I, I fucking love that. You wouldn't I trust me. love that. If I, if I, a minute, because you've had like three pints from them. Yeah, I, I could have one right now. Not <laughs> Kit Kat. Do you know what? They're not all they're cracked up to be. The mint one. The mint one's the, the mint one's the best of these new flavours. Thank you. About right. time. Pe- peanut butter one, surely. But that's not one of the new not, ones, is it? I've, I've not had that yet. Anyway, let's, so. let's, anyway. Let's, let's do let's do films and that. The quiz yes. has taken a bit of a different turn this week because. Mm. I had an idea while I was in the car driving back from football about 20 minutes ago. The, I- the idea is, rather than a quote from a film, you're going to have to identify which film a certain song comes from. So I've got two examples, because this is new. This is a new okay, thing for the podcast. Like so I've got two little easy, easy little test ones for you that go at. So if you were to hear this, what film would it be from? James. Yes, James. Yeah, black. You could have left that long so we could hear some more of that. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear some more anyway. I think that's enough. So, obviously, obviously, not as good as Wild Wild West. No. I played that. I played that the other week before the podcast. We've had enough of that. So, if you were to hear this, this is another practice one. What film? Would we be talking about? I didn't know. I didn't hear that. Let's be real. There we go. What is it, James? It means no worries. It's the Lion King. Yeah, there we are. So that's uh, that's how this part, this quiz will work. 
Um, so which film would this song be from? Jerry. I did hear you, I just think we should hear some more of it. Yes, Jerry. I'm thinking about guests of the era and I'm saying American Pie 2. It was American Pie 2. Yes! What, what, was, the, what was the song and or artist? Oh, I've got that, James. You don't get a point for that, Jerry's already got it right, I'm just seeing if anyone knows. It's um, it's in too deep by some forty-one. Featuring thought... the greatest Paul guitar solo in the history of rock music. Exactly. I thought James would be too old to know that. Do you know what my music knowledge is pretty tip-top? That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying if this is the direction we're going in, Jerry better keep a fucking eye out oh, because I'm on his tail. Oh, when some forty-one came out. James was like having his midlife crisis. He had, he had stopped listening to Lint at that point as well. Do you know what? I listened to Green Day before you lot were even... I Ducky era of Green Day and Kaplunk era of Green Day. I was listening to that kind of music before you guys were out in nappies. That's Probably when we were playing Kaplunk. Yeah, <laughs> when, uh, when James was 35, he had sort of blonde highlighted tips in his hair and was wearing board shorts. <laughs> yeah. Around Leicester. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> uh, I thought I would be straight in for that one as well. I don't know why. I thought that would have been Owen's Ameri- time to shine. Why would I have known American Pie 2? I don't know. Yeah, I, thought... I was going to say American Pie, so fair play to Jerry for guessing the sequel. Yeah, that was amazing. That's, that is quality yeah. guessing. Mm. Good work. I, I just couldn't remember it from the first I've seen the first one slightly more times than I've seen the second one. And I can remember the second one had a slightly better soundtrack, so I went Good choice. Did it make you want to be 17 again, Jerry? <sighs> just made me think of apple pie. Steve. Warm apple pie. The Spice Girls were number one when I was 17. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> right, let's start the, the actual proper podcast proper now with what we've been watching. And James, what have you been watching? Um, right, okay. When we started this podcast... This section was called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Do you remember? Oh, those hazy days. Um, so I've, I've got literally The Good and The Bad and The Ugly. Which do you want me to start with? Well, two films I want to talk about, basically. That's what I'm saying. The Bad. The Bad. The okay, bad. The Bad and The Ugly together. Um, okay, Movie 43. Uh, uh, it's a sketch comedy compilation with an overarching theme produced by, I think, Peter Farrelly, possibly Bobby Farrelly, only one of the Farrelly brothers, I think. Um, It's fucking horrendous. Okay, this is worse than the worst film I saw last year, uh, which was probably Dark Shadows. Oh my god. Okay, they talk about having the biggest cast ever assembled for a film. It's a bit of a misnomer, because I think Ben-Hur's got more technical people in it. Um, The idea is, and the British version has got this overarching narrative, which is some geeky kids, well, some kind of like jockey kids and a geeky kid, are looking for the worst video ever on the internet. It's borrowed away, kind of like in anonymous servers and stuff like that. Uh, And as they search through these servers, they find videos which, to be honest, 
funny or die would go, actually, that's too shit for us to put up on the website. Um, to be honest, it's the kind of thing that Soccer AM would go, that's a bit ridiculous. Um, you're Mrs. Brown's boys' writer's room, and I'm doing them a credit by assuming they've got a writer's room, would go, oh, I know, that's a little bit broad. Um, just to give you an idea, the very first video they come across is Hugh Jackman and Kate Winslet on a blind date, again, and Hugh Jackman has a pair of testicles hanging from his neck. And that's the joke for about 10 minutes. That is the joke. They don't actually even say anything funny. You're just meant to find the fact that Hugh Jackman has testicles hanging from his neck funny for 10 minutes. Men in Black did that years ago. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there was an, was it an alien with. Yeah, it was called the Chinian or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly. funny though. Yeah, yeah, there. That, that, that's funny. In that context, okay, you have no context. It's just, oh, look, Kate Winslet's going, oh, look, there's no one noticing he's got bollocks hanging from his neck. That, that's literally a joke for 10 minutes. Um, the second sketch is the one sketch that actually made me laugh a bit involuntarily. Um, which has uh, Liev Schreiber and Naomi Watts as a couple, and they're talking about homeschooling their kids to another family. And it's actually quite a funny setup because then it turns out they decide to make him go through the humiliation of high school despite homeschooling him. So uh, Liev Schreiber as his dad is being really harsh and calling him a faggot in the changing rooms of the house kind of thing, like before PE. Um, and his mum comes on to him. A bit weird. Uh, but that at least made me laugh a couple of times. Then there's bits with Richard Gere as the CEO of a company that creates iBay, which is an MP3 player in the shape of a naked woman. It's, oh, it, it's just, it is so bad. But the, the thing is, I was sat there thinking, yeah, in the classic parent style, you know, I'm not angry, I'm just really disappointed by so many of the people involved in this. There's some people I really like, um, uh, and it's generally the lesser stars that I really like. So uh, Asif Manvi and John Hodgman, who are on Daily Show very often, are in sketches. And I thought, no, you're, you're better than this, lads. I know it paid you a little bit of money, but you're better than this. There's, um, there's a, a whole sketch where Chloe Grace Moretz um, is a teenage girl, and she gets a period, and all the men around her freak out massively and it's just embarrassing it's just um um christoph uh christopher mince plus is in that scene and you just think no why oh, I, I just cannot get why 90 minutes of this is fine i went to see it because i'd heard people say it is the citizen kane of awful it's one of the worst films ever made but i thought for that reason alone i need to at least investigate it and and it actually is um it's probably worse than any of the scary movie films. Um, hey, I'm a bit partial to a scary movie. Okay, I, I didn't like them, and it's worse than that. Don't you mean like what? epic movie and all that kind yeah, of... Yeah, no, no, it, it, I've not got round to seeing epic movie. Don't. I avoided it. Actually, um, I don't know if I have. As King Leonidas, isn't it? That's not... That's just never going to be good. Um, there, a couple of occasions, there was the an interesting 10-second idea for a very, very quick sketch, but they turned it into a 10-minute sketch. Um, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of anything else that was good. It's just so bad. It's really horribly bad and lazy. And 
just do not see it. Please. <laughs> That's all I can say to people. Well, I've seen it so you don't have to. What's the good film you've watched this week, Dave? The good film I've watched is a film that I'm really annoyed that I didn't see last year because it would have made my end-of-year polls. Um, it's called A Royal Affair. It was a Danish film, and it stars Mass Mikkelsen, who I have to say is probably my favourite actor at the moment. I think he is... He's really? Just, he's, on, he's that... He's also just absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, he did uh, The Hunt last year, which was the story of a, a nursery worker, a uh, primary school worker who gets accused wrongfully of inappropriate touching of, of a child. And that is an incredible film. But this topped even that. It's my favourite period drama film since Amadeus. Um, and the thing is, I avoided it last year because it was called, A, it was called A Royal Affair which is just a rubbish title, and B, its synopsis was an English princess marries a mad Danish king and falls in love with his German doctor. And I thought, oh, it sounds a bit, bit popery, sounds a bit pride and prejudice It's not like that at all. And the, the really interesting thing about this is it's based on a true period in history. And I love English history. I love our deep, long, thousands-of-year history. And it suddenly occurred to me that all the other countries in Europe have histories just as deep and rich as that. And there's all these amazing stories. And this is one of them. It's a true story. English princess marries a king. He's, because of all the inbreeding, he's a bit mental, like properly mental. It's great fun. Um, and Mads Mikkelsen plays his German physician, who is a real liberal at the time. It's difficult to, it's really weird to think that back at the time, Denmark was a really backward country. Uh, Denmark was the really conservative country of Europe. Uh, it was ghosts walking around castles and like telling you to kill your father-in-law and stuff. Oh yeah, exactly. It's going to um, apparently um, the king really liked the German physician because he knew loads of Shakespeare, and one of the things that he quoted was Hamlet actually, and that's why he took him on as a physician. Um, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's Denmark was a really weird place back then. It's not at all the Scandinavia we'd think about now. And what happens? basically is this German doctor starts to usurp the king and starts to run the country by proxy. So it's really bad because he's essentially launching a one-man coup d'etat of a country, but he's doing it for the greater good. He's trying to get people more freedoms. He's he's sorting out free... He basically invents vaccinations and makes them free to all children to stop the spread of smallpox. And so you're caught between two stores because... The fact is he's manipulating a monarchy of his own, but he's doing it for what we, we're seeing him going, well, I'm glad he is because the people in charge of that country are absolute dicks. Um, it, it's just a wonderful, it's beautifully shot, wonderful costume, beautifully acted, um, and an incredible true story that made me want to discover more about European history as well. And like I say, Mads Mikkelsen is fantastic in it, and I honestly think he's untouchable at the moment in terms of incredible actors working today. And where did you watch that? What means uh, that you... I got from uh, I just got it. It's available on DVD at the moment and Blu-ray. I got it. I got it personally from Love Film. A movie forty-three is in the cinemas at the moment, but don't go and see it. Okay. Well, I watched um, again, but it's the only time I've seen it since it came out in the cinema was Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the first film in what looks like a reboot of the Planet of the Apes series, available on Netflix. 
US, possibly Netflix oh. UK. I'm not sure. Oh, oh. No, oh, sorry, it was Sky. It was Sky. It was on Sky, oh, not yeah. Netflix. Um, anyway, um, obviously, it rather than um, where the original series of films and the abysmal Tim Burton remake, where the end made no sense and made my mind bleed a bit. Um, they start off with... Arnie was meant to be in that as well, remember? <laughs> Arnie was meant to be the lead in that Planet of the Apes reboot. But anyway, um, where, they, where, where they start with, with the astronaut crashing on the Planet of the Apes, and then the original series went back to the Apes coming to Earth and, and all that, this one starts with what you assume will be the Apes' takeover. Um, James Franco is a, is a scientist who works with Apes, who's trying to use Apes to cure various human diseases. His dad is John Lithgow and is absolutely brilliant. Um, James Frank is quite good himself, but the real star of the show is Caesar, who is done by Andy Serkis in, in the same way he does Gollum in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, I believe Owen called it his favourite film of 2011. Yeah, just 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 very slightly ahead of the artist. Yeah, it's it's proper like blockbuster film. At, it's pretty near best, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean it was. It, I, I was really impressed with it. I thought District Nine, which came out a few years before, was another sort of big sci-fi film mm. that got a lot of attention. And Rise of the Planet of the Apes is probably the, the next best one after that. I think. I mean, it's sort of recent times. It's got a solid plot that works. It's got some very good performances by, especially the two lead actors and, and the, the CGI monkey as well, and you know, the action in it. Is is good for a summer blockbuster. Mm. It's not one of these summer blockbusters that come along like Transformers Three and just completely fall apart and <laughs> are, are abysmal. Um, it's got a lot of nods to the original films, and it sets up mm. the future films quite nicely. Um, for example, you see on a television in the background the Icarus space shuttle or spaceship taking off, which is of course the spaceship that uh, Charlton Heston's on, but it won't be Charlton Heston this time. I'm sure. Well, it's, yeah, it's, com- it's confusing with the original series of the films, the five films they had, because without going into any spoilers about what happens in them, the fourth film is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, mm. which is what Rise of the Planet of the Apes sort of reboots from. Yeah. But in that, there's a bit of time travel that's gone on that means that stuff that happens in that mean, it kind of conflicts with Charlton Heston in the spaceship. And so yeah, it's a bit weird. So it's interesting now to see that they're going to actually try and in the reboot, tighten it all up a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll, the next film should actually make a bit more sense sequentially, you know. Um, it was one of those films that I, I remember seeing the trailer for and going, oh, God, why are they doing that? I don't know if anyone else thought, oh, jeez, why are you rebooting? I kind, of, oh, I kind of thought that, but I kind of think about that with a lot of reboots, but this one actually worked. Yeah, exactly. And then I watched it. I was like, actually, this is fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad you did this. It's really, it's really nicely done. Um, and John Lithgow as well is great as James Franco's mm. dad. He's brilliant um, in everything I see him in lately. Yeah, it, it, oh, I, I, I love John Lithgow to bits. Um, actually, oh, damn, I didn't even think about him for later. Damn it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, and again, Andy Serkis is Caesar. Uh, it's just another fantastic performance, and you believe a CGI monkey. Mm. You you one hundred percent believe them, and that's that's just a sign of. See, to me, that is technology doing wonders for cinema. And I'm not 
I'm not bothered about high frame rates and 3D and stuff like that. The fact that they can do that, that's where we're doing well with, with technology and cinema. We wouldn't have been able to do that 10 years ago, and that, that's the beauty of Rise of the Planet of the Apes to me. And I, I think, by, by just speculating, but the way they'll go is they'll, they'll go for a trilogy, so next one, next one will be How the Apes Take Over, and the final one will be Planet of the Apes with someone yeah. going into space and then going into the future and then crashing onto the Planet of the Apes. With obviously, yeah, uh, with obviously a music, with obviously a musical starring uh, Troy McClure to follow it up. <laughs> Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas. <laughs> uh, Owen, what have you watched this week? Um, I went to see the preview at Cineworld of um, the Sasha Gervais. Is that who you say his name? I believe so. Or Gervais. Gervais. I think yeah, the yeah. first name's pronounced Ricky, though. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're saying right. it wrong. Ricky Sasha Gervais. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah, Hitchcock. I see Hitchcock. Um, obviously, the biopic or biopic, whatever you want to say, of Alfred Hitchcock. Um, during this very short period of time, just sort of the making of, of the film Psycho. So, um, yeah, I mean, for some reason, the film doesn't appear to have been met with particularly high praise. Uh, I know James isn't a massive fan of it. No, no, I, I, I honestly did really like it. I just wished I'd liked it more. But yeah. I'll let you. I'll let you say your piece first. Okay. Well, I mean, for, for me, for, uh, what it is, it's just a, a you know a biopic of a man over a very short period of time. I thought it was really in, interesting. It was really entertaining and quite informative, actually, about not just the, the way the film was made, but more about his character. Um, and it's yeah. It's, I mean, it's based on a book. Um, the actual not obviously the book of Psycho, but it's called Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho by Stephen Rabello, which goes into very um, high detail about this sort of period of time. So, yeah, I mean, it only shows you his life over a few months as um, basically he and his wife, Alma, uh, struggle to get the film Psycho off the ground and eventually get it made. But, it's yeah, I mean, it's more about their relationship during this time and how it's tested by various things, different people, the stresses that they're both under. It's a, as I say, really detailed account of their life during this time. So, I mean, it covers just about everything you can imagine between the two of them. So, I guess it kind of explains why some people might have been disappointed by the film. If you if you went into it, um, perhaps not expecting, but more wanting a kind of semi-documentary about how Psycho was made, then yeah, it, it may just disappoint you because it's more of a film about the man himself over this this sort of period of time. It's really kind of honest and insightful. A little bit scathing of some of um, the decisions he makes and some some aspects of his character as well. Sort of shows him as being quite a jealous and control controlling kind of person. But um, yeah, I thought it's quite interesting. I think you've hit the nail on the head there for me. Is Psycho is one of my favourite films of all time, and I wanted. And the first and th- third acts of the film are essentially how Alfred Hitchcock made Psycho against the wishes of Hollywood. Um, against all the odds, and with the support of his wife, Alma, who was uh, by his side for about 40 years, I think. She was involved in mo- almost all of his films, and I loved that bit. What I wasn't so keen on is was the middle section, which, to me, felt a little bit soap opery, uh, felt a, bit, a little bit melodramatic, and also, apparently, according to Helen Mirren, who plays Alma, um, who is fantastic in it, by the way. Yes, um, Actually, that was a little bit made up, the whole kind of subplot of her kind of 
flirting a little bit with the fact uh, with another writer, uh, and that. To, and again, it, I've made, I've done this before, and I feel bad every time I do it. But um, kind of criticizing a film for not being the film I want it to be is a little bit unfair because the film they've chosen to make is this film, and it is a very well made. Uh, it's a very well put together with some lovely performances. I, I really like Anthony Hopkins as uh, mm. Hitch. Uh, Scarlett Johansson as Janet Lee is fantastic as well. There's a number of great performances in it. It's just, for me, it just fell a bit flat in the middle section. And it, in a way, it reminded me, I don't know if anyone's seen The Damned United, um, which, yeah. again, is a fast, would be a fascinating docudrama, but got a little bit help. For me, The Damned United's failings are, it, are where it turns a little bit soap opery and about looking into the looking into the mind of a man who we can't look into the mind of and it's making a lot of whereas the first and third act of Hitchcock are based a lot on what happened, what are facts, people alive have said this kind of thing happened. The middle section is very much well what might Hitchcock might what might he have been thinking? And that it just feels a little bit disjointed for me there in the sense that the middle section is Let's see what he might have been thinking. And I'm watching it thinking, this might be the case, it may not be, but I do know the other side, the other two ends of it, the bookends of this film, feel far more grounded in reality. And, and personally, I enjoyed those more as a film fan, as someone who really loves Psycho. And I, I felt I got a great insight into how Psycho was made. But I can see why other people would prefer it the other way. It's just not for me, that section. But overall, it's still a good film, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a really good film overall, I think. And, you know, I, I take your point about the middle bit, as it, it does seem a little bit like they've just... It, it's like, like most sort of documentaries on the Discovery Channel, isn't it? They just kind of make up bits of they it as they go hum, along. And they find the human interest, and something... Yeah, I yeah. Think human interest sells. It, it really does, and I can see why they've done it. It's just well, yeah, I mean, in expecting, essentially... Um, a dramatisation of the making of Psycho. So I went in with different expectations to what I got, and that will have affected me. Yeah, I right. mean, it will. It, you, you kind of have to not go in with those expectations. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, <laughs> Jerry, if I you're mean, still there, what have you watched this week? Um, Alright, I'll be brief. I've watched a couple of uh, sort of rom-com-ish kind of films this week. Um, first one is uh, Silver Linings Playbook which is still available in some cinemas on a very limited basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. And having watched Zero Dark Thirty recently, th- yeah, there's no way that Zero Dark Thirty should be anywhere near awards when, when that, you know, that's been made and, and quite rightly has been nominated. But then you get things where... Now, I don't think David O. Russell got nominated for an Oscar, did he, for that? He, um, David O. Russell has been... I thought he'd been nominated for Best Director. Whereas um, I think he has, I'm just checking it now, but I'm pretty sure he has been nominated. Right. Well, the, I think the film missed out, didn't it? I mean, no, what? no, no, no. They, they, it's had a, a Silver Lines Playbook has been nominated. That's it. It's the first film in ages that's been nominated for all four asking, um, acting nominations and Best Picture. Oh, well, ignore me completely. Then. <laughs> we always do. I'm just looking up now. I'm just checking on the David R. Russell thing. He might not have been nominated, actually. I'm just checking that. But it is nominated for Best Picture. It's, it's a very enjoyable film. I think it avoids the sort of... I, I, you know, it's quite quirky in a way. 
um, and it could be pretentious. And I think there will be people who watch this and think that it was a bit pretentious and it was a bit, you know, quirky. But actually, I found that it was the characters were very believable and very relatable, which you don't often get in romantic films. They're usually, you know, incredibly rich, implausibly rich, actually, uh, city-dwelling middle, you know, middle-class Americans or live in a ridiculous house in the suburbs, never seem to actually work, but have a stupid amount of money. And and these people were, were more real, you know, they were suburban, they were they were sort of lower middle class, they had, they all had their issues and then there was a very unflinching look at that, but at the same time they found the humour in that in the same way that, you know, a lot of families do. You find humour in the little quirks about yourselves and things like that. And I thought it was very well handled. I thought it was very funny. I believe James thought it wasn't funny. I, I, I laughed at a few bits, but I didn't find it laugh at. I, I wouldn't have... Personally, I wouldn't have classed it as a romantic comedy. I would have classed it as a, a kind of a drama with comedic elements. Um, I think Chris Tucker's very funny in it. And it's it's, it's the first what film... Chris Tucker's head, by the way? He's gone weird, hasn't he? It's <laughs> massive now. He's got elephantitis or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's it, apparently it's the first film that's not a rush hour film he's done in the last ten years or something. It's really, but he's very funny. Um, I've just checked, and David O. Russell has been nominated for best director as well. So it's been, and it's also been nominated for best screenplay. So it's it's the only film that's been nominated for all of the big awards, um, which I think is because it's a White, Harvey Weinstein production, and therefore he's. And I would say three of the acting awards are deserved, and that's Bradley Cooper, who surprises us all by being very, very good in it. Jennifer Lawrence, who I hope wins the Oscar because she's absolutely fantastic in it, and Robert De Niro's brilliant in it as well. I'm not quite sure. Um, Bradley Cooper's mum, who is played by, I'm just looking there, Jackie Weaver. I'm I'm not sure she deserved it. Um, She was good in it, but nothing, nothing special. Interesting. Um, uh, apparently, Jennifer Lawrence was on set and was more excited to see uh, Jackie Weaver. She was. Was she in the Golden Girls or something like that? Um, I think she was in. She was in an Aussie film last year. Okay. One of those violent Aussie films. I can't remember what, okay. what it was. Um, it, it was a good film. It was well made. The direction was pretty nice as well. I thought that you know some of the shots were a bit interesting, but but fitted. They weren't you know. Yeah. They they weren't just for the sake of doing them. They, they helped with the film. It was a bit predictable at times, but it, it was just a good, solid film. My only issue with it was actually its treatment of mental illness um, and the, the fact that it kind of tried to make bipolar seem some kind of cute and cuddly. Or, it, was, it just felt a little bit weird that Bradley Cooper had some form of some kind of bipolar um, but all it oh he just said things at inappropriate times that it, it well that and the that, massive explosions of violence that, oh yeah but, but the only time you see the massive explosion of violence is when it's just in the film we know he's been put away kind of like in a mental institution for a bit because of that but actually in the film once he comes home the only time you see violence you're like well yeah I don't blame him for the violence because there's racist people going on without spoiling too much. Uh, and the rest of the violence, there's, violence home. there's violence at home. There's violence at home. Not directly violence in, a, in a, an office, shall we say. There is explosions. I think you're being unfair there. Okay, maybe I'm being a little bit... I, I, it just it felt a little bit like this man has generic mental illness, which is cute and cuddly. That's just the way it felt to me. It, it felt a little bit... I, I don't know. It skirted... And Jennifer Lawrence's character as well kind of 
it felt a little bit old. They were both wounded characters, and I, I actually think this film would have worked without a, with a little bit less of that, and actually just about their characters. But that, again, that's just me. But Jennifer Lawrence was fantastic in it. I, I really enjoyed her. Um, yeah, no, no Pop, I, it just felt like a good solid. It doesn't feel like a. It doesn't feel like a one of the best of the year type of films to me. Um, in the same way that a lot of people feel, I know Owen feels that about Argo, and that's still my favourite film to win the Oscar this year. And I know you feel that about Zero Dark Thirty, and isn't isn't film just a wonderful thing where it can happen? But it, I, I liked it. I just didn't think it was brilliant. I thought it was pretty good. All right, shall we do Triple Bill then? Jerry's got one more. Can I quickly jump in with um, Pet to Being a Wallflower, which I avoided because it's got Emma Watson in and it looks all quirky and pretentious. Again, precisely the kind of uh, pitfalls that I thought Silverline's playbook would have. Very good film, uh, very well made. Uh, Emma Watson's decent in it, although there is one, there's one scene where her English accent just comes through quite, quite worryingly. Um, but um, watch out for Ezra Miller, who plays Patrick in that. He is excellent, absolutely outstanding. Is he the guy from um, uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin? Yes, he's the yeah, okay. odd-looking fella. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And one of the, I know there's, I've still not seen it, I really want to see it, but there's a scene where apparently these hipster kids don't know David Bowie's heroes. Did that, did that stand out as a really awkward moment that took you out of the film, or did you just go with it? No, I listened to Kimo's podcast about that and the yeah. subsequent podcasts that was sort of reader submissions as well about this and like Americans were writing in saying that it just wasn't big and stuff. Mm. It it was used you know, if you take it as a cinematic piece, yeah. you know, the effect cinematic effect, you could sit back and say, Do you know what? That's actually yeah, that works really well as a as a piece cool. of cinema. Cool. So, that's that's all I want to know because I'm a massive Bowie fan and I can't believe anyone wouldn't know heroes but that, that's interesting i definitely want to watch that because i do know and i just want to give a shout out to one of our regular listeners at duke um who also goes on the forum as well he has been looking forward to one of us reviewing this film for ages he told us about it about three or four months ago so there you go and i'm going to watch it soon as well it's really really good get it watched okay. uh, i think it's out on dvd next week and currently really? sat at 213 in the mbb top 250 if you don't believe it's, it's, oh okay oh, there we are right uh, Triple Bill this week, its long-awaited return, is which three actors slash actresses would we like to see it make a comeback uh, into the world of film? And I think as well, James, isn't it what we want to see them in or doing? Yeah, yeah. basically, it's in honour of Arnie's big return last week in the last act. Stallone is back with another big action film this week, Bullet to the Head. Um, and yeah, it's... It's who has made big films, and we want them to make that return. So we want them to make that big John Travolta-esque return in Pulp Fiction or Mickey Rourke-esque return in Sin City. You know, who has made big films and gone to nothing? Who do we want to come back? Right, well, I'll go first because, unfortunately, for one reason or another, I haven't put much thought into it, um, so I don't have time. So I've winged it. Um, I'm going to start off with... Um, do you know who my favourite actor of all time is? Who? Mr. Sidney Poitier. 
No, that was that was just a joke for me to get another office office reference into the podcast. That's not actually one of my um I've not seen enough films to judge it on. Okay, the first one is Rick Moranis. Yes. It it's, was in my also ran list. It's it's about time he came back and, and made some of my favourite childhood films again. Um I need to stop living in the past so I need him to come back, remake all these films and ruin my childhood for me. Yeah. Um but yeah. Anything, just in any kind of film like you know, Ghostbusters, Spaceballs, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, getting back into something like that. He had a kind of valid reason for retiring, though, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, I don't he know. had to look after his children or something. It, it, I think he looked after his wife. His wife got ill, I think, so he oh, took some time out to look after his wife, and then just thought, you know what? I actually really enjoyed not being part of films anymore. Oh, so uh, well, she died. Time. She actually yeah. died. Yeah. Just sort of. He's stopped. a single parent. Yeah. God. Yeah. That's really sad. Do you know what? Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is one of only about four films I've seen more than once in the cinemas. There you go. <laughs> the trivia for you. I saw it at um, three different um, friends' birthday parties back in the summer. Of 1999. <laughs> I watched it this year, actually. First time in ages. I thought it's no. still, still some, some of it's still really good. I'm like anti. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does kind of. Some of it. I mean, like I say, there's some of the effects are a bit dodgy, but some of yeah. them are still brilliant. Uh, second on my list, of course, it was going to be Emilio Estevez. I just want Mighty Ducks 4. That's too much to ask. And, and I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've got two ideas in my head. One, like all the, all the adults now get challenged to a rematch in some shape or form by that Iceland team they beat in the final of the, the World Children's Winter Olympics. Which I don't actually think exists, um, but it did for the purpose of this film. So they all come back to that, uh, or just more typically, one of their kids is now in a little ice hockey team, and they have to be called the Mighty Ducks and, and go on Mighty Ducks Four. Um, I, the original kids are all washed up alcoholics. Mm, I think that might be a problem. I mean, you know, getting five or six of them off of drugs and able to film film again is just going to be too difficult. So. Probably just get yeah. Estevez and Jackson back and do Mighty Ducks 4 with, oh, with some kids. Pros. They'll do it. Yeah. 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 Um, which will be fine by me. Finally, it's a bit of a tenuous one because I don't think he's strictly speaking retired, but, but looking at his filmography, I wouldn't be putting any of these down on my CV for the last few years. Is, is Mark Hamill just getting back, making King Jedi or something for the new Star Wars films and, and that will do fine for him. I feel a bit sorry for him because he probably thought after a new hope, that went down really well. I'm going to be a big star, and then he got in a car crash or something. But he had monged his face up a bit, and he didn't look as <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look he didn't look like the fresh faced youngster that he was in a new hope. It probably ruined sort of his his career as like a, a young, good looking film star. Um, and then Harrison Ford got his way being all badass. So you said he's like a real life Joker. Yes, and he's, is, yeah. is that why he's such a great character <laughs> in the animated series? Is because he's suffered severe physical and emotional trauma. Quite possibly, um, but yeah, bring him back for the new Star Wars films. Make him like boss of the Jedi or something. He's got to go and get a load of new ones because there's some other kind of evil kicking off. He's it, probably. Do you know what? I think that's how JJ Abrams actually pitched it. <laughs> <laughs> that was his, that was his exact. Pitch. He needs to phone me and get me on board. What do we do, Steve? Well, 
Make Mark Hamill this King. Yeah. Make Mark <laughs> Hamill King Jedi. He has to find some new ones because they're all dead except him. And there's some new kind of bad guy kicking off in the galaxy. <laughs> in fact, that's the scroll. Yeah, and that is seven. better than reading shit about tax and trade blockades from Phantom Menace. So there we go. He's probably the best voice actor going though, Steve. To, to give him his due. Yeah, but he's not doing any films, is he? He's just doing like cartoons <laughs> and things. We we should film career resurrected, not everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, that's that's my name rambling done. Um, one of you jump in now and take on your three. James, go on. Okay, um, I'm going to start off with a very personal one first, uh, um, because I'm so old. Um, I, I want to see the return I'm of Molly. Died a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the return of Molly Ringwald. Okay, Molly Ringwald um, was a crush of mine in my my younger years. Molly Ringwald, if you don't know, appeared in Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. Um she was she was the teen star of the time. She was John Hughes Muse. Um and sadly her career went a little bit wrong. Unbelievably she turned down the lead roles in Pretty Woman and Ghost and then went on to star in the TV adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, and basically never did another film again. And it's a really sad story. In fact, she did have a cameo in Not Another Teen Movie um, in 2001, and she's currently on some kind of family sitcoms. I, I just want to see Molly Ringwell back in a proper role, um, possibly as, I don't know, the mum in some teen horror slash pick, and she turns out to be like the the bad person that do me but yeah molly ringwald one there was a sad really kind of like poignant sad moment in the muppets one of the few poignant sad moments in the muppets from last year uh where kermit's going through his roller deck looking for celebrities and he's clearly been out of, and he calls for president carter and stuff like that and his finger comes across molly ringwald in his roller deck <laughs> baby what little tits well that's so yeah, that's my first one, and I was pretty sure there wasn't going to be any crossover there. The second one of mine is, how can someone who starred in Jurassic Park and Independence Day <laughs> not making big films? Leave? I'm talking about Jeff Goldblum. I Jeff, think you've got my notes there, James. Jeff, <laughs> Jeffrey Lynn Goldblum. But aren't they meant to be um, making Independence Day too? And him, him, and, Big, and, him and Big Willie start to be back. That would be amazing. And everything will be right with the world. They're, they are making a new Jurassic Park, mm. um, and I I hope to fucking god he's in that film because he is actually he's a he's such a fascinating screen presence. He um he made his debut in uh, Death Wish. Death Wish, yes. Death Wish. Um, you say you've got notes. Is he on your list as well, Owen? He is. Yeah. Oh, he is. Ah, oh, crossover. It's like you were reading my notes for Star Wars. crossover. He plays Freak Number One in Death yeah. Wish. He, he plays basically this rapist. Yeah. It's, a bit of, it's a bit weird when you first spot him and you think, Jesus, that's Jeff Goldblum. What's he doing? Um, no, Jeff, no, Jeff, don't do it, Jeff. And then he does it. <laughs> and he's in, um, he's in Annie Hall really briefly as a man at Hollywood Party going, mm. this is Davis, I forgot my mantra. Um, and then he goes on to be in, well, The Fly is... 
I'd say is one of his iconic roles. Uh, David Cronenberg's Fly, which I adore. I watched it as a young kid. It scared the crap out of me. But it's it's a fantastic film. And then, yeah, he went on to be in two of the very biggest films of the 90s, Jurassic Park, um, also starting the Lost World sequel, um, and Independence Day. And he is, he is such a charismatic screen presence, and I cannot understand why he's not in films. Owen, can you? You'd, you'd much rather Ian Malcolm come back into Jurassic Park than Alan Bloody Grant. He's a bit boring. <laughs> and the thing is, watching Jurassic Park, I wanted to be a mathematician for about six weeks. Because <laughs> I was like, what? Being a mathematician means wearing leather and like talking about chaos. Chaos theory he, sounds amazing. He, he, is, he is to maths what Indiana Jones is to archaeology. Damn straight, Ian. That's, that's, a lo- that's lovely, actually. That's why I'm um, here. And in- and because you're lovely, yes. <laughs> um, he, he appeared on Sesame Street as an Indiana Jones style um, caricature um, called Minia, Minneapolis Jones. <laughs> so just nice. Um, so yeah, that's that's my number two, and obviously one of one of us as well is Jeff Goldblum. Come back, Jeff, please. Yeah, I haven't seen anything in uh, anything with him in since he was in the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. And that was two thousand four. He's done yeah. he's done things, but I can't say I've ever heard of any of them. He's done no, exactly. He's done some TV. He actually took over um, as like, a lead character in um, uh, Law and Order: Criminal Intent for two series, which just seems really very un Jeff Goldblum. So mm. I'll tell you what he has been doing. He's been what? doing a lot of theatre because I've seen him on Broadway and he's fucking amazing. Oh yeah. Oh god, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Right. What did you see him in? The Pillow Man. Okay. Which you've probably never heard of. Uh, no, no. It's Jeff Goldblum is um, the police officer interrogating. There's a oh, it's got Billy Crudup. Remember Billy Crudup? Yeah, yeah. The... And he was Doctor Manhattan in Watchmen, wasn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a writer, and he he's written some like really grisly short stories. And someone's been carrying out a load of child murders which are strikingly similar to his short stories, and Jeff Goldblum is the police man interrogating him in it. Oh, wow. It's the best play I've ever seen. There you go. Why How many I'll... plays have you seen? One, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <what>, three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, what's, what's the thing what's... about, I'll just say, he, mar- he was married to Jean Davis for a bit, and this is my favourite bit of his Wikipedia profile. At one point, it just says, in a single line, Goldblum follows, in inverted commas, Eastern religions. <laughs> that's it. That's all it says on that. So, God knows what that means. Um, my Which final God? one is a legend. The man has won. Uh, he's been nominated for five Academy Awards. He's won two of those Academy Awards. He's also won three Golden Globes, two BAFTAs. Um, his name is Eugene Allen. Gene Hackman. Um, oh, I just really want Sidney Gene Hackman wait one more film. I, I love Gene Hackman. Um, he's been in a huge amount of stuff. Really interesting. Back in the um, 50s, he joined the Pasadena Playhouse in California and he was friends with Dustin Hoffman there. And they were seen as outsiders by their classmates. And Hackman and Hoffman were voted least likely to succeed. Fucking told them, didn't they? Um, they went to New York, um, ended up on Broadway, uh, and Gene Hackman ended up in, um, he got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Bonnie and Clyde, uh, I think, which was Fade on the Way and Warren Beatty. Um, 
and he nearly accepted the role of Mike Brady in the TV series of The Brady Bunch, but his agent, in a rep, one of these rare moments where agents tell the actors to do the right thing, um, the agent said, no, wait for a better part. And his better part that he got was um, Popeye Doyle in The French Connection, directed by William Friedkin, uh, which he won his first Oscar for. Um, he went on to star in The Poseidon Adventure. He starred in The Conversation, also nominated for an Oscar there. He was also in Young Frankenstein as well, uh, which was really popular. And then he went on to, in some ways, it's his iconic role, which is a good and a bad thing. But in the Superman series, uh, he played Lex Luthor, and that's probably what he's most famous for. But it's really funny in those Superman films. He's a fantastic comic presence there. Um he went on to earn another Best Actor nomination for Mississippi Burning in the 80s, which is a great uh, film about apartheid in America uh, in the 1940s, 1950s in Alabama. No, where's Mississippi? Is that Alabama? Mississippi's a state, isn't it? And a river. I thought it was a river. It's a river. It's a river. I know it's a state. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I'm trying to spell it. Yeah. M I double S I double P I double P. No, fucked it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but it, one of his greatest roles, um, which earned him his second Oscar, was in Unforgiven. He played the um, Bill Dagger in Unforgiven. Um, he then that year went on to star with Tom Cruise in The Firm. And his his last kind of big things that he did were he was in. Enemy of the State, the Tony Scott film starring Will Smith, which is, I, I still love Enemy of the State, I think it's a fantastic film, very similar to his role in the um, the conversation, and a bit like Jeff Goldblum, the last time I saw him in anything good, uh, it was a Wes Anderson film, and it was as the, the patriarch of the Tenenbaum family in uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, and his last film was Welcome to Mooseport with Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Ray, and I just feel... He needs to come back. He needs just do one more film that's not a film with Ray Romano. Um, please. Among his films that you haven't mentioned, I mean, mm. a lot of the films that you have mentioned are excellent. I quite like him yeah. in The Replacement because he's just an American football film with Keanu Reeves. I don't know why. I like that film. The Sporting Underdog film. I've, I've not seen it. I've not seen it. It's, it's, but, it's, um, it's, quite, it's quite entertaining. It's just a typical Sporting Underdog film where, yeah, where, essen- nice. where essentially all the and all the proper American football players from this NFL team go on strike. So he comes in as an old coach. They bring him back, and he's just got to find a load of like old players or players that haven't been picked by someone to form a team. And it's just one of those really by the book sporting underdog films, but it's actually quite enjoyable. But you, oh. you'd already mentioned all the good films he's been in, so I thought I'd mention that I, I, one. I, I, actually. Um, the Birdcage, actually, I, I really love The Birdcage. Great film starring him and Robin Williams and Nathan. Like, he's, he's, he does comedy really well and he's just a great actor. And I think he, he needs to come back and just do one more. I, I'd quite like to see him in a kind of like aging mafioso type, aging crime lord type role. I think that that's what I want to see. Or like Lex Luthor's dad in the new Superman films or something in the way that, um, uh, Leonard Nimoy came back for the start, the new Star Trek film. Some, something like that. That'd be mm. nice. But Gene Hackman would fucking love you, son. Uh, right, Jerry, go on. You're free. Oh, just for the big build of this, Steve. 
What do you want? A fucking drum roll? If, you, if you're offering it. No. Yeah. Go on. Well, get on with it. Now, now I feel special. I feel like a beautiful little snowflake now. Thanks. Uh, number one, suspect I'm going to get some crossover with Owen. Well, I suspected until James revealed this beforehand. I went for Jean-Claude Van Damme. Apparently Owen doesn't think he needs a comeback. <laughs> there are a couple of reasons I haven't personally. But I'll let you talk first and then I'll debate it with you. Right, basically, I mean, he's done The Expendables 2 this year. Mm. Before that, he did Master Croc and Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he did JCVD, which yeah. was basically a film about our fucking bandy needs to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and he also did a reality TV series. And about 16 straight-to-DVD Universal Soldier films that no one in the fucking world watched. Um, not from Owen. Not from me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd love to see him back. I want to see like, Kickboxer 2, No Retreat, No Surrender 2. <laughs> street, street Fighter 2. Hang on, he done he done five films in 2012. How does he need a comeback? Um, they're shit films. Yeah, I'm just gonna oh, say that I've not but... seen them, but they're shit films. <laughs> I debate that. <laughs> well, yeah. I think he's the, his best role in years was in Expendables two. I agree. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda two the year before. As much as we can ridicule him for being in it or whatever, it's the highest grossing film he's ever been in. You know, yeah, voice films. Last, last year he done Universal <laughs> Soldier no Day of Reckoning. Time cop was at the time. <laughs> that's, that's a good point, actually. But there, there was a time when he was one of the top three action stars in the world. Yeah. And, and it would be nice to see. The, the fact is, Stallone and Arnie have got their own vehicle. Expendables 2 wasn't his vehicle. He was part of it. Um, Kung Fu Panda wasn't his vehicle. It was based, you know, based on the existing franchise. I, I agree. He was, look, he was, he was playing second string to Jack Black. In yeah. That film. It would be nice to see someone go, oh my god, there's a new Jean Claude Van Damme action film. I bet it's amazing. I'm top uh, two. Someone apart from Owen. <laughs> <laughs> but he wants to change that. I think he went to, he went to try and do some, um, sort of comedy roles. So he ended up in like Russian films and he was sort of just trying his hand at that really. And he did that reality TV show as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's um, never. Yeah, that's always a sign of someone who doesn't need fun back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was the best example. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see him in a in a good John Claude Van Damme vehicle. But I don't know whether he can. I say this as someone who loves his films, and I've liked some of the films he's been in recently. But I don't know whether he would carry off a film on his own in the same way anymore. If you see what I mean. Uh, I think so he would do best as a supporting actor. You couldn't see him doing a kind of Last Stand style film. Not fantastically well. Not to the same level, though. I mean, I love Van Damme. I think he, you know, you talked about being one of the three best action stars at one point in time. He's still one. He's probably my second favourite after Arnie. And JCVD kind of shows he's got acting ability. So he could do something a bit different, yeah? But, um,. I think the problem is once you've got Van Damme in the film, everyone just goes, right, they roundhouse kick someone in the face. And then... Damn that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of gets built up as that character. Even in the, the, the last Universal Soldier film, mm. um, it was all about Scott Adkins, who I've talked about very briefly. Yeah. 
and Van Damme's kind of like a, a character in the background. He does really well in it. I think he's great in his little role. And it's mm. very kind of dark character he plays, much more so than some of the other Universal Soldier films. But it's kind of that's how he he is best now. I think mm. as the villain in Expendables Two, he was brilliant, and mm. I just think that's that's probably his role in the future. So yeah. I don't know how a comeback would be if he was started playing the hero again. What, what's your next film, Jerry? It's the actor, person. Never gone. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd go for a bit of gender diversity. So I thought, yeah. sort of actresses from, from films that I, I like, that were, you know, who were a few years ago, who, who could still do something. And I thought of Kim Basinger. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the third them. comeback, then, after kind of LA Confidential was a bit of a comeback, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not calling Eight Mile a comeback. Oh my God, in that. Yeah. Um, really, since Eight Mile, she's she's only made sort of straight to TV or straight to DVD films. Mm. She was in that um, oh, the Death and Life of Charlie St. Cloud, which was the Zac Efron oh, okay, shitbag yeah. film. So she's just doing toss like that, basically. If you think you know, LA Confidential, she's outstanding in that. She. Yeah. Brilliant in Batman as Vicky Vale. Give, give her that. Come on. Yeah. One's gone silent on me here. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, she is. Yeah. Um, and really, she she's one of these people who's got a lot of potential and never quite lived up to it, did she? Mm. And oh, I, I, I like Baldwin. Yeah. Seriously, she got divorced from Art Baldwin and that was the end of her career. Well, you see why, don't you? Who the fuck would divorce Alec Baldwin? I'd divorce Alec Baldwin. I've never married. Oh, maybe she was in Cellular, um, which was terrible. She was was in something. Has anyone seen Cellular? Mm. It's got Jason Statham in it as the bad guy. Oh, God, it's terrible. But it's so watchable. Um, But no, you're right. She's barely been, like you say, since 8 Mile, just nothing. She's one of those actresses I kind of remember seeing in lots of different things, but if you'd ask me to name more than like three other films, I'd struggle. She's just, yeah. I don't know. She needs to um, lower her um, expectations and do some TV. She's not done TV since like 1980. I think her last thing in TV, according to her filmography, was, was herself in The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. In 1998. That was when she was married to Alec Baldwin and Homer made friends with Alec Baldwin and Kim Bates. That was a great episode. Um, but yeah. No, it's, it's a good choice. I, do you know what? It's weird. I was thinking I need to get a woman in my choices. Uh, and it's, I struggled a little bit because it tends to be good female actors continue to find work. Maybe not as stars. Uh, but it, it tends to be, um, the blokes who get weirdly in a reverse of sexism it tends to be the blokes that get kicked off the scrap heap by younger up and coming blokes and that good female actresses seem to continue to work throughout their career yeah I mean she was a big name you know Mm. obviously she was she was a Bond girl as well I can't remember what what she was in but she was she was in a Bond film I'm looking now but um, you think about you know people like Demi Moore yeah you know, occasionally get more like she was in the Charlie's Angels films yeah. and stuff. Like Kim Mason just worth one of them. Easy. Yeah, definitely. Right, what's your last one then, Jerry? My last one. Um <clears throat> this is again another one based on current quality rather than absolutely where they're making stuff. Mm. 
is Robin Williams. Mm. Interesting. Because Robin Williams, when he wants to be, is an absolutely outstanding actor. Mm. He is fantastic, particularly, you know, particularly as a serious actor as well. as, a, as he's a, I think I prefer him as a serious actor. Yeah, actually. I much prefer yeah. him as a serious actor. As, I mean, taking nothing away from him, when he, when it's right, his comedy is really funny. Mm. I think sometimes he gets overdone, it gets overblown. Have you seen yeah. him in, have you seen World's Greatest Dad? I haven't, no. That's fantastic. I got it for Christmas. I got it for Christmas, I've not watched it Watch yet. it. Watch it, it, watch it that's now. That's film, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that, he's really good in that. Yeah. And in, in kind of a both funny and serious combination. Okay. I saw, I saw him, well, he did the voiceover in um, the animated film Robots. He was really fucking annoying in that. Okay. Every but single word he's incredible. Uh, oh, yeah. 30-odd minute um, role in Aladdin is... That's him at his comedy best. You're exactly right. But yeah, no, I think I agree with Jerry. Um, his his serious role, Goodwill Hunting. I'm not a massive fan of, but he is by far the absolute best thing in that film. He's incredible in that film. He's um, he's done a lot of sort of serious films. You know, he did like um, One Hour Photo. Yeah, um, yeah, he's very good in that. Insomnia. Insomnia. Um, yeah, really good insomnia. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, he, there's obviously there's the kind of he's got a good range to him. Really, he's done sort of silly stuff like, um, like well, he's done stuff like that. And then he, you know, there's Jumanji, which like he hits the right note. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he has a bit of a. Uh, he seems to need the right project, really. Yeah, and that there is right for him. Someone I mentioned it earlier. Um, the Birdcage as well. He's fantastic in the Birdcage with Gene Hackman and Nathan Lane. That's uh, that's a great film if you've not seen that. Um, definitely, definitely worth watching because he. Um, I think that's to me that's my favourite comic role of his since uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. That's 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 a good recommendation. I'm going to give you that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's in a lot of like films that you associate with your childhood as well. Maybe yeah. not, maybe not James, he's ancient, but I mean the rest of us anyway. <laughs> Imagine James watching uh, Mark and Mindy when he was Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, Mark and Mindy's my child. I mean, you go, you go from Popeye. Aladdin and Toys and uh, Hook, Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji and Jack. Yeah. I, I, I lose interest at Flubber if those kind of films for him. That's when it went. You've yeah. seen... I've still not seen Jack. Oh, oh Jack is a great film. Yeah. Really? It looks terrible. I've, I've, I've only seen it when I was a child, mind. I haven't seen it like grown up, so it might it, it might be rubbish about a, now. About a child that's grown into a man quicker than all the other. It looks shockingly oh, bad. No, it, it's really tastefully done. Well, my childhood memory of it yeah. is that it's <laughs> <quite> nice. <laughs> just watch watch that and and watch the other film that I just told you to watch as well. World's Greatest Dad. Watch both yeah, of them. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch World's Greatest Dad. Yeah, you said, you, said, but you, said you were going to watch Trollhunter and you still haven't. So. Yeah, but I've actually got it on DVD here. Yeah. Um, and I, Yeah, I will watch Trollhunter at some point. Do you know what, Steve? You can make Trollhunter the, uh, your choice in the Oscars challenge, which I'll explain at the end of this podcast okay. if you want. All right, well, we best get on towards that point then so we know what to do Owen's but, trouble. Uh, I've got Owen's. Yes, that's why I just... Yeah, that's why I've I just, only got two children. That's why I just... That's what I just said. So we've got to do Owen's triple bill. <laughs> right, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, one of mine's already gone, which was Jeff Goldblum. And um, the other, I said there were two reasons I didn't pick Van Damme. One was because I didn't think he needed a comeback particularly. Um, and the other one was because when I kind of looked at my shortlist, I realised that three of the actors on it were from Jurassic Park, so I went for a Jurassic Park theme. Oh, okay. uh, 
Yeah. Okay. So the first so one. Judge Ron Hobbs, then. But you haven't gone for Judge Ron. No. <laughs> the, the first one is uh, something who, someone who's a bit of a hit and miss actor, and I think Steve will probably disagree with me from his comment earlier. But Sam Neill, whose best role is from Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Park as Dr. Alan Grant. I, I can remember him in Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, and that science fiction film that names Event Horizon is it Event, Event Horizon, Horizon that's in, yeah. all I can remember him being I, in I quite like Event Horizon yeah I mean he's good as um, Lawrence Damien Fishburne. yeah, yeah. Damien Thorne plays um, in mm. the third Omen film where he's sort of an adult he's the best thing about that film because most of that film is a bit crap and he's in stuff like Hunt for Red October as well and he was in that mini oh, yeah. mini yeah. series Triangle was um, he in the remake of Captain Fear or was he in some kind of, like, thriller on water? Uh, yeah, Triangle, which was a mini-TV series. Oh, okay. Triangle. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, I don't know. I thought um, he was, like, dead calm or something like that. I'm well confused. Oh, may- maybe. Uh, yeah. You carry on going, though, and I'll let but, you. Yeah. I mean, I quite <laughs> like him in the stuff I've seen him in. I've not seen all of his, like, back catalogue, so, you know, you're talking about the film he's been in where it was on water. No idea, but um, the stuff that I've seen him in. Was he? Yeah. Oh. He was Thomas Wolsey in the, in the Tudors. Oh. Uh, no, I've not seen the Tudors, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. So, yeah. he was he was in Dead Calm as well. Just, oh, yeah. there you go. He, he was in Alcatraz. I know that was on TV, and it was absolutely terrible. But he was in it. But um, yeah, I mean, he's been confirmed for Jurassic Park Four as well. Well, I'm glad because I want I want to see both him and um, Ian Malcolm. You know, yeah. Uh, Goblin come back together for Jurassic Park 4 because they were in the separate films. Hang on, I'm just looking. Apparently, oh no, hang on, no, that's not. While, while you're looking, if we'd have thought about this in advance, this is how uh, excellently organised we are, listeners. We could yeah. have had Bicentennial Man as the link between Sam Neill and Robin Williams. Oh, look at oh. that. Nice. A lovely yeah. Isaac Asimov story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was recently in the J.J. Abrams TV show Alcatraz. But I don't think that was received particularly well. I mean, I watched the first episode and I thought it was a bit shit, actually. Um, I, I watched know, more than one episode before I decided it was shit. Yeah. Uh, but it was. That's <laughs> <laughs> Hurley from Lost in it as well. So I was quite looking forward to seeing him in something else. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've just worked out who Owen's third one is. Sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> okay. But, you know, he's, he's a bit older, I think. He's sort of at the perfect age, really, to play some more of these kind of political drama films that are quite popular at the minute. You know, stuff like Oidus March and, and so yeah. on. I think he's got that look and that sort of, yeah. that style, the way he sort of carries himself. I think he'd be good in that, in a role of that sort of, that sort of nature. But, you know, failing that, I'd like to see him in a bit more sci-fi and, of course, in Jurassic Park 4. Yeah. Yeah. Good so my choice. second choice, which I think James... I think, I think I know who it is now. Yeah is uh, a bloke who's probably most well-known for his roles in TV shows. So he's in yeah. Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. Uh, the Seinfeld reference as well might have given it away. Yeah. But he's been in lots of other films. Uh, I'm talking about Dennis Nedry, Officer Don, Newman, uh, which is Wayne Knight. Um, yeah. And, and, and Toy Story 2, the um, weird chicken out. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, in, and in Space Jam. Don't forget. He was in Space Jam? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, actually, for some reason, I thought he was dead until I looked up what he was doing. <laughs> he's I a thought, big lad. It wouldn't have surprised me. Yeah. He's, only, he's only 57 years old. I can't believe it. I don't know. He's yeah. clinging on for dear life. <laughs> he's also in Kung Fu Panda, just to uh, 
He's also in Curb as himself. Yes. I, I, yes. Don't, I don't think you want to work him too play, hard. Does he play Newman in Curb, Curb Your Enthusiasm? I think he plays he Wayne Knight playing. Yeah. Okay, okay. Union, so he does yeah. play Wayne Knight in it, yeah. Didn't he, uh, okay. didn't he die in um, Jurassic Park? Yeah, he does. He gets um, killed by the weird. Oh, um, fucking spoilers. Oh, yeah, come on, guys. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. It's 25 years <laughs> Fuck off. Um, shaving. Do you know what? He put dinosaur eggs in shaving foam as well. There you go. Um, yeah, the big um, fan um, creature that mm-hmm. spits. Yeah. Crazy. He's a very funny man. Um, you know, everything I've seen him in, he's been very funny in it. Um, particularly in the old sitcoms he was in. I thought he was brilliant in Third Rock from the Sun and, and Seinfeld. And fantastic in Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, surely there must be a role for him in some modern comedy film. I mean, he can do physical comedy very well because it's all, all in his expressions and his mannerisms that he's just very funny. The way he delivers lines as well is fantastic. Um, but I can't see any reason on IMDb or on Wikipedia that kind of explains exactly why he suddenly stopped appearing and stuff. He started doing a lot of voices. Yeah, lots than... of voiceovers, yeah. Lots yeah. of cartoons and stuff. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Oh, he was in um, he was in Torchwood. He was in the American Torchwood series for a few episodes as well recently. Uh, they did an American version, right? Yeah, they, they did a... They did, well, it was Torchwood, but it was mostly set in America. It was bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it had um, Bill Pullman in it. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, but, you know, with the amount of stuff, Will Ferrell films that released all the time, yeah. you know, stuff like last year's uh, their camp- The Campaign, which yeah. had people like um, Dan Aykroyd in it, and John Lithgow was in it as well. Dan Aykroyd was my nearly, nearly list. Probably. He was on my nearly list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but surely there is an opportunity for him to get a supporting role in something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice choice. You've gone for the little man there. Yeah, not he, the big yeah. star. Well, he's, he's not Spurs. little, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, he edged, he edged out Kurt Russell from my list. I think he's Kurt <gasps> Oh, Russell. I didn't even think of Kurt Russell. Oh, man. No one picked Steven, no one picked Steven Seagulls either. No. For good reason. It's complex. <laughs> we want to see Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagal's got his own energy drink, so he's doing all right. Diversifying. <laughs> He's fine. He's going to be reincarnated as the Dalai Lama, so he he's literally got the best comeback yeah. already lined up. So he he's fine. Um, just I, I had a couple of other also rounds. I had um, Juliette Lewis. I'd like to see Juliette Lewis in more films. I think she's fantastic. I think I most sort of recently saw her in Whip It. Um, and there was someone. Oh no, yeah, my other one was Judge Reinhold. I want to see Judge Reinhold in more films, <laughs> just because I want to relive my eighties youth. I don't know if anyone else had any. Castaways. 
I also had David Cross because I'm sick of seeing his name appear in stuff like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, David. He was good in um, the uh, the Todd Margaret thing that was on the other year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought it, I thought that was actually pretty funny. But it, it was quite good. I'd actually like to see Will Arnett do more. Um, yeah, more films as well. But yeah, but I think they're both kind of. <laughs> just, yeah, who do we want to the rest of development to be in more films? Not Jason Bateman. I'm getting a bit sick of him. Um, right, yeah. so we're um we're done now then. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're done. We've got we've got there. We started at the start. Now we're here at the end. Um, and uh, we've done some stuff in the oh, middle as well. Um, yeah, new we've got a new little bit. That's all, Steve. Sorry, I'm have interrupting we? you again. What, what yeah, new little got, bit have we got? Um, we have got the best film on TV. Uh, this weekend. It's a new little section, new little kind of public information section. I sent it in an email, Steve. Come on, let me read your emails. Yeah. Don't pay much attention to you. <laughs> now, um, I'm just having to look up uh, which film I went for now. Um, so, yeah, each week on, well, every day, kind of, meant to be on Twitter, we tell people, and our Twitter account is at FailCritics, tell people the best film on TV that day. Um, and we've decided to extend that slightly to the podcast. So we're going to tell you, if you watch this before the weekend, you'll have time to set your video recorder. Yeah, that's it, your VHS recorder, set your VHS timer. Do you remember Video Plus when you used to enter, have to enter like eight-digit numbers to... No, no one remembers, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, does no one remember that? No. Video Plus? No. I do. But Jerry and Owen are, are far more northern than me, and you've got to remember they're at least five years behind the <laughs> south of the country. That's very true. Um, so, what I'm going to. My. Um, Hold up. Story. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> just. just it's when, whereabouts exactly do you live, Steve? There's always out there. You're not exactly in a bustling metropolis. If, are I, you? if, I, if I was any more south, I'd be on the Isle of Wight. Not saying anything great. It's not like the Isle of Wight. Like <laughs> Steve basically lives on a cliff. I can see the <laughs> sea from. Steve is Portland Bill. Um, I can I can see the sea from my house. I mean, not now. It's night time. It's dark. I can't now. But if it was yeah. sunny, you know, daylight, I could. Now, being near the edge of a country doesn't mean anything. That's all it is. But anyway, best film on TV this weekend. Um, in reference to two of our choices on Saturday the 9th of February, kind of Sunday morning, because it's on a, um, 20 to 1 in the morning. But film four are showing David Cronenberg's The Fly, starring Jeff Goldblum. That is the best film on this weekend. Excellent. So, what is next week? Um, next week, our main review is the new Disney film Wreck It Ralph, the 8 bit computer nostalgia animation film um and yeah the usual shit good um <laughs> and in the week after we've got die hard five and i won't be here for that so you're all fine you're going to talk about die hard without me i'm going to be in scotland trying to yeah. stop being beaten up maybe we should all watch as many die hard films as we can for that week and then talk about that just die hard constantly yeah, I'd be up for a die-on podcast. Whatever you want. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, time to go then. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for everyone for contributing. Thanks for uh, Kevin, what's the name, for the music. Exactly. Cheers, <laughs> cheers, Kev.
it's fucking horrendous. Okay, this is worse than the worst film I saw last year, uh, which was probably Dark Shadows. Oh my god. Okay, they talk about having the biggest cast ever assembled for a film. It's a bit of a misnomer because I think Ben Hur's got more technical people in it. Um, the idea is. And the British version has got this overarching narrative, which is some geeky kids, well, some kind of like jockey kids and a geeky kid, are looking for the worst video ever on the internet. And it's burrowed away, kind of like in anonymous servers and stuff like that. Uh, and as they search through these servers, they find videos which, to be honest, funny or die would go, actually, that's too shit for us to put up on the website. Um, to be honest, it's the kind of thing that Soccer AM will go past a bit with all this. Um, Mrs. Brown's boys writer's room, and I'm doing them a credit by assuming they've got a writer's room, would go, oh, I don't know, that's a little bit broad. Um, just to give you an idea, the very first video they come across is Hugh Jackman and Kate Winslet on a blind date, okay, and, and Hugh Jackman has a pair of testicles hanging from his neck. And that's the joke for about 10 minutes. That is the joke. They don't actually even say anything funny. You're just meant to find the fact that Hugh Jackman has testicles hanging from his neck funny for 10 minutes. Men in Black did that years ago. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there was an, was it an alien? With yeah, it was called the Chinian or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly. funny, though. Yeah, yeah, there. That, that, that's fine. In that context, okay, you have no context. It's just, oh, look, Kate Winslet's going, oh, look. There's no one noticing he's got bollocks hanging from his neck. That, that's literally a joke for 10 minutes. Um, the second sketch is the one sketch that actually made me laugh a bit involuntarily, um, which has uh, Lee Schreiber and Naomi Watts as a couple, and they're talking about homeschooling their kids to another family. And it's actually quite a funny setup because then it turns out they decide to make him go through the humiliation of high school despite homeschooling him. So... Uh, Lee Schreiber's his dad is being really harsh and calling him a faggot in the changing rooms of the house kind of thing, like before PE. Um, and his mum comes on to him. A bit weird. Uh, but that at least made me laugh a couple of times. Then there's bits with Richard Gere as the CEO of a company that creates iBay, which is an MP3 player in the shape of a naked woman. It's, oh, it, it's just... It is so bad. But the, the thing is, I was sat there thinking, yeah, in the classic parent style, you know, I'm not angry. I'm just really disappointed by so many of the people involved in this. There's some people I really like. Um, uh, and it's generally the lesser stars that I really like. So uh, Asif Manvi and John Hodgman, who are on The Daily Show very often, are in sketches, and I thought, no, you're, you're better than this, lads. I know it paid you a little bit of money, but you're better than this. There's um, there's a, a whole sketch where Chloe Grace Moretz um, is a teenage girl, and she gets a period, and all the men around her freak out massively. And it's just embarrassing. It's just, um, um, Christoph, uh, Christopher Mintz Plass is in that scene, and you just think, no, why? <sighs> I just cannot get why 90 minutes of this is fine. I went to see it because I'd heard people say it is the Citizen Kane of Awful. It's one of the worst films ever made. But I thought, for that reason alone, I need to at least investigate it. And, and it actually is. Um, 
it's probably worse than any of the scary movie films. Um, yeah, I'm a bit partial to a scary movie. Okay, I, I didn't like them, and it's worse than that. Don't you mean like what? epic movie and all that kind yeah, of? Yeah, no, no, it's it, I've not got round to seeing epic movie. No. I avoided it. Actually, um, I don't know if I have. As King Leonidas, isn't it? That's not. That's just never going to be good. Um, there a couple of occasions there was the an interesting ten second idea for a very very quick sketch, but they turned it into a ten minute sketch. Um, I, I'm I'm struggling to think of anything else that was good. It's just so bad. It's really horribly bad and lazy and. Just do not see it, please. <laughs> That's all I can say to people. I've seen it, so you don't have to. What's the good film you've watched this week? Then? The good film I've watched is a film that I'm really annoyed that I didn't see last year because it would have made my end of year polls. Um, it's called A Royal Affair. It was a Danish film, and it stars Mass Mikkelsen, who I have to say is probably my favourite actor at the moment. I think he is. He's really. Just, He's on. He's that. He's also just absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, he did uh, the hunt last year, which was the story of a, a nursery worker, uh, primary school worker, who gets accused wrongfully of inappropriate touching of, of a child, and that is an incredible film. But this topped even that. It's my favourite period drama film since Amadeus. Um, and the thing is, I avoided it last year because it was called, A, it was called A Royal Affair, which is just a rubbish title. And B, its synopsis was, an English princess marries a mad Danish king and falls in love with his German doctor. And I thought, oh, it sounds a bit, bit popery, sounds a bit pride and prejudice It's not like that at all. And the, the really interesting thing about this is it's based on a true period in history. And I love English history. I love our deep, long, thousands of year history. And it suddenly occurred to me that all the other countries in Europe have histories just as deep and rich as that. And there's all these amazing stories. And this is one of them. It's a true story. English princess marries a king. He's, because of all the inbreeding, he's a bit mental, like properly mental. It's great fun. Um, and as Nicholson plays his German physician, who is a real liberal at the time, it's difficult to, it is really weird to think that back at the time, Denmark was a really backward country. Uh, Denmark was the really conservative country of Europe. Beath uh, was ghosts walking around castles and like telling you to kill your father-in-law and stuff. Oh yeah, exactly. It's quite um, apparently um, the king really liked the German physician because he knew loads of Shakespeare, and one of the things that he quoted was Hamlet actually, and that's why he took him on as a physician. Um, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's Denmark was a really weird place back. It's not at all the Scandinavia we'd think about now. And what happens? basically, is this German doctor starts to usurp the king and starts to run the country by proxy. So it's really bad because he's essentially launching a one-man coup d'etat of a country, but he's doing it for the greater good. He's trying to get people more freedoms. He's he's sorting out free... He basically invents vaccinations and makes them free to all children to stop the spread of smallpox. And so you're caught between two stores because... The fact is he's manipulating a monarchy of his own, but he's doing it for what we, we're we seeing him going, well, I'm glad he is because the people in charge of that country are absolute dicks. Um, it, 
it's just a wonderful, it's beautifully shot, wonderful costume, beautifully acted, um, and an incredible true story that made me want to discover more about European history as well. And like I say, Maz Mikkelsen is fantastic in it, and I honestly think he's untouchable at the moment in terms of incredible actors working today. And where did you watch that? What means uh, that you... I got from uh, I just got it. It's available on DVD at the moment and Blu-ray. I got it. I got it personally from Love Film. And Movie Forty Three is in the cinemas at the moment, but don't go and see it. Okay. Well, I watched um, again, but it's the only time I've seen it since it came out in the cinema was Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the first film in what looks like a reboot of the Planet of the Apes series. Available on Netflix US, possibly Netflix okay. UK, I'm not sure. Oh, no, oh, sorry, okay. it was Sky, it was Sky. It was on Sky, oh, not yeah. Netflix. Um, anyway, um, obviously, it rather than um, where the original series of films and the abysmal Tim Burton remake where the end made no sense and made my mind bleed a bit... Um, <laughs> They start off with... Arnie was meant to be in that as well, remember. <laughs> Arnie was meant to be the lead in that Planet the Apes reboot. But anyway, um, where, they, where, where they start with, with the astronaut crashing on the Planet of the Apes and then the original series went back to the Apes coming to Earth and, and all that, this one starts with what you assume will be the Apes takeover. Um, James Franco is a, is a scientist who works with Apes who's trying to use Apes to cure various human diseases. His dad is John Lithgow and is absolutely brilliant. Um, James Franco quite good himself, but the real star of the show is Caesar, who is done by Andy Serkis in the same way he does Gollum in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, I believe Owen called it his favourite film of 2011. Yeah, just, just, just very slightly ahead of The Artist. Yeah. It's, it's proper, like, blockbuster film at its pretty near best, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean it was. It, I, I was really impressed with it. I thought District Nine, which came out a few years before, was another sort of big sci-fi film mm. and got a lot of attention. And Rise of the Planet of the Apes is probably the, the next best one after that. I think. I mean, in it's sort of recent times. It's got a solid plot that works. It's got some very good performances by, especially the two lead actors and, and the, the CGI monkey as well, and you know, the action in it. Is is good for a summer blockbuster. Mm. It's not one of these summer blockbusters that come along like Transformers Three and just completely fall apart <laughs> and are abysmal. Um, and it's got a lot of nods to the original films, and it sets up the future films quite nicely. Um, for example, you see on a television in the background the Icarus space shuttle or spaceship taking off, which yeah. is of course the spaceship that uh, Charlton Heston's on, but it won't be Charlton Heston this time. I'm sure. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's confusing with the original series of the films, the five films they had, because without going into any spoilers about what happens in them, the fourth film is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, mm. which is what Rise of the Planet of the Apes sort of reboots from. Yeah. But in that, there's a bit of time travel that's gone on that means that stuff that happens in that mean, it kind of conflicts with Charlton Heston in the spaceship. And so yeah, it's a bit weird. So it's interesting now to see that they're going to actually try and in the reboot, tighten it all up a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll, the next film should actually make a bit more sense sequentially, you know. Um, it was one of those films that I, I remember seeing the trailer for and going, oh, God, why are they doing that? I don't know if anyone else thought 
oh geez, why are you rebooting? I kind of, oh, I kind of thought that, but I kind of think about that with a lot of reboots. But this one actually worked. Yeah, exactly. And then I watched it. I was like, actually, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you did this. It's really, it's really nicely done. Um, and John Lithgow as well is great as James Franco's mm-hmm. dad. He's brilliant um, in everything I see him in lately. Yeah, he, he, oh, I, I, I love John Lithgow to bits. Um, actually, damn, I didn't even think about him for later, damn it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, and again, Andy Serkis as Caesar. Uh, it's just another fantastic performance. And you believe a CGI monkey. Mm. You, you 100% believe them. And that's that's just a sign of, see, to me, that is technology doing wonders for cinema. And I'm not I'm not bothered about high frame rates and 3D and stuff like that. The fact that they can do that, that's where we're doing well with, with technology and cinema. We wouldn't have been able to do that 10 years ago, and that, that's the beauty of Rise of the Planet of the Apes to me. And I, I think, by, by just speculating, but the way they'll go is they'll, they'll go for a trilogy, so next one, next one will be How the Apes Take Over, and the final one will be Planet of the Apes with someone yeah. going into space and then going into the future and then crashing onto the Planet of the Apes. With obviously, yeah, uh, with obviously a mu- with obviously a musical starring uh, Troy McClure to follow it up. <laughs> Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas. Owen, what have you watched this week? Um, I went to see the preview at Cineworld of um, the Sasha Gervais. Is that how you say his name? I believe so. Or Gervais. Gervais. I think yeah, the yeah. first yeah. name's pronounced Ricky, though. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm saying right. it wrong. Ricky Sasha Gervais. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, than, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah, Hitchcock, I to see Hitchcock. Um, obviously the biopic or biopic, whatever you want to say, of Alfred Hitchcock. Um during this very short period of time, just sort of the making of, of the film Psycho. So, um yeah, I mean for some reason the film doesn't appear to have been met with particularly high praise. Uh I know James isn't a massive fan of it. No, no, I, I, I honestly did really like it. I just wished I'd liked it more. But yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you say your piece first. Okay. Well, I mean, for, for me, for, uh, what it is, it's just a, a you know a biopic of a man over a very short period of time. I thought it was really in, interesting. It was really entertaining and quite informative, actually, about not just the, the way the film was made, but more about his character. Um, and it's yeah, it's, I mean, it's based on a book. Um, the actual not obviously the book of Psycho, but it's called Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho by Stephen Rabello, which goes into very um, high detail about this sort of period of time. So, yeah, I mean, it only shows you his life over a few months as um, basically he and his wife Alma uh, struggle to get the film Psycho off the ground and eventually get it made. But, it's yeah, I mean, it's more about their relationship during this time and how it's tested by various things, different people, the stresses that they're both under. It's, as I say, really detailed account of their life during this time. So, I mean, it covers just about everything you can imagine between the two of them. So I guess it kind of explains why some people might have been disappointed by the film. If you if you went into it, um, perhaps not expecting, but more wanting a kind of semi-documentary about how Psycho was made, then, yeah, it, it may just disappoint you because it's more of a film about the man himself over this, this sort of period of time. It's really kind of honest and insightful. A little bit scathing of some of um, the decisions he makes and some some aspects of his character as well. Sort of shows him as being quite a jealous and 
control control kind of person. But um, yeah, I thought it spoke for itself. I think you've hit the nail on the head there for me is Psycho is one of my favourite films of all time and I wanted and the first and th- third acts of the film are essentially how Alfred Hitchcock made Psycho against the wishes of Hollywood um, against all the odds and with the support of his wife Alma who was uh, by his side for about 40 years I think she was involved in mo- almost all of his films and I loved that bit what I wasn't so keen on is was the middle section, which to me felt a little bit soap opery, uh, felt a bit, a little bit melodramatic, and also apparently, according to Helen Mirren, who plays Alma, um, who is fantastic in it, by the way. Yes. Um, actually, that was a little bit made up. The whole kind of subplot of her kind of flirting a little bit with the fact uh, with another writer, uh, and that. To, and again, it, I've made, I've done this before, and I feel bad every time I do it. But um, kind of criticising the film for not being the film I want it to be, it's a little bit unfair because the film they've chosen to make is this film, and it is a very well made, uh, it's a very well put together with some lovely performances. I, I really like Anthony Hopkins as uh, Hitch, uh, Scarlett Johansson as Janet Lee is fantastic as well. A number of great performances in it. It's just, for me, it just fell a bit flat in the middle section and it in a way it reminded me i don't know if anyone's seen the damned united um which again is a fast would be a fascinating docudrama but got a little bit help for me the damned united's failings are it are where it turns a little bit soap opery and about looking into the looking into the mind of a man who we can't look into the mind of and it's making a lot of Whereas the first and the third act of Hitchcock are based a lot on what happened, what are facts, people alive have said this kind of thing happened. The middle section is very much, well, what might Hitchcock, might, what might he have been thinking? And that it just feels a little bit disjointed for me there in the sense that the middle section is, let's see what he might have been thinking. And I'm watching it thinking, this might be the case, it may not be, but I do know the other side, the other two ends of it, the bookends of this film, feel far more grounded in reality and, and personally I enjoyed those more as a film fan as someone who really loves Psycho and I, I felt I got a great insight into how Psycho was made but I can see why other people would prefer it the other way it's just not for me, that section but overall it's still a good film and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean it is a, a really good film overall I think and you know, I, I take your point about the middle bit as it, it does seem a little bit like they've just it, it's like, well, like most sort of documentaries on the yeah. Discovery Channel, isn't it? They just kind of make up bits of they it find and, the hum- and they find the human interest and something yeah. I yeah. think human interest sells it, it really does, and I can see why they've done it. It's just well, yeah, I mean, in expecting essentially um, a dramatization of the making of Psycho. So I went in with different expectations to what I got, and that will have affected me, yeah, I right? Mean, it will. It's you, you kind of have to not go in with those expectations. Jerry, if you're still there, what have you watched this week? Um, all right, I'll be brief. I've watched a couple of uh, sort of rom-com-ish kind of films this week. Um, first one is uh, Silver Linings Playbook, which is still available in some cinemas on a very limited basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. And having watched Zero Dark Thirty recently, yeah, there's no way that Zero Dark Thirty should be anywhere near 
awards when when that you know that's been made and, and quite rightly has been nominated. But then you get things where I don't think David O. Russell got nominated for an Oscar, did he? For that, he, um, David O. Russell has been. I thought he'd been nominated for Best Director. Whereas um, thinking how I'm just checking it now, but I'm pretty sure he has been nominated. Right. Well, the, I think the film missed out, didn't it? I mean, no, what? no, no, no. They, they, it's had a, a, a Silver Linings Playbook has been nominated. That's it. It's the first film in ages that's been nominated for all four asking um, acting nominations and best picture. Oh well, ignore me completely. We <laughs> <You> always do. <laughs> I'm just looking up now. I'm just checking on the David O. Russell thing. He might not have been nominated actually. I'm just checking now, but it is nominated for best picture. It's it's a very enjoyable film. I think it avoids the sort of, I, I, you know, it's quite quirky in a way, um, and it could be pretentious. And I think there will be people who watch this and think that it was a bit pretentious and it was a bit, you know, quirky. But actually, I found that it was the characters were very believable and very relatable, which you don't often get in romantic films. They're usually, you know, incredibly rich, implausibly rich, actually, uh, city dwelling middle, uh, you know, middle class Americans or live in a ridiculous house in the suburbs, never seem to actually work, but have a stupid amount of money. And and these people were, were more real, you know, they were suburban, they were they were sort of lower middle class, they, had, they all had their issues, and then there was a very unflinching look at that, but at the same time, they found the humour in that, in the same way that, you know, a lot of families do. You find humour in the little quirks about yourselves and things like that, and I thought it was very well handled, and I thought it was very funny, I believe James thought it wasn't funny. I d- I laughed at a few bits, but I didn't find it laugh at. I, I wouldn't have, personally, I wouldn't have classed it as a romantic comedy. I would have classed it as a, a kind of a drama with comedic elements. Um, I think Chris Tucker's very funny in it. And it's, it's, it's the first What's happened film. To Chris Tucker's head, by the way. He's gone weird, hasn't he? It's massive now. <laughs> He's got elephantitis or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it, apparently it's the first film that's not a Rush Hour film he's done in the last 10 years or something. It's really, he's very funny. Um, I've just checked and David O. Russell has been nominated for Best Director as well. So it's been, and it's also been nominated for Best Screenplay. So it's, it's the only film that's been nominated for all of the big awards, um, which I think is because it's a Harvey Weinstein production and therefore he's got, and I would say three of the acting awards are deserved. And that's Bradley Cooper, who surprises us all by being very, very good in it. Jennifer Lawrence, who I hope wins the Oscar because she's absolutely fantastic in it. And Robert De Niro's brilliant in it as well. I'm not quite sure. Um, Bradley Cooper's mum, um, who is played by, I'm just looking there, Jackie Weaver. I'm, I'm not sure she deserved it. Um, she was good in it, but nothing nothing special. Interesting. Um, uh, apparently Jennifer Lawrence walked on set and was more excited to see uh, Jackie Weaver. She was. Is she in the, was she in the Golden Girls or something like that? I, um, I think she was in She was in an Aussie film last year. Okay. One of those violent Aussie films. I can't remember what, okay. what it was. Um, it, it was a good film. It was well made. The direction was pretty nice as well. I thought that, you know, some of the shots were a bit interesting, but, but fitted. They weren't, you know, Yeah. they, they weren't just for the sake of doing them. They, they helped with the film. It was a bit predictable at times, but it, it was just a good, solid film. My only issue with it was actually its treatment of mental illness um, and the, the fact that it kind of tried to make bipolar seem some kind of cute and cuddly. Or, it, was, it just felt a little bit weird that Bradley Cooper had some form of some kind of bipolar um, 
but all it meant. Oh, he just said things at inappropriate times. It, it, well, that and the that, massive explosions of violence. That... Oh, yeah, but, but the only time you see the massive explosion of violence is when it's just in the film. We know he's been put away, kind of like in a mental institution for a bit because of that. But actually in the film, once he comes home, the only time you see violence, you're like, well, yeah, I don't blame him for the violence because there's racist people going on without spoiling too much. Uh, and the rest of the violence is never violence direct... at home. There's violence at home. Not directly violence in, a, in a, an office, shall we say. There is explosions. I think you're being unfair there. Okay, maybe I'm being a little bit... I, I, it just it felt a little bit like this man has generic mental illness, which is cute and cuddly. That's just the way it felt to me. It, it felt a little bit... I, I don't know. It skirted... And Jennifer Lawrence's character as well, kind of... It felt a little bit... Oh, they were both wounded characters, and I, I actually think this film would have worked without a, with a little bit less of that, and actually just about their characters. But that again, that's just me. But Jennifer Lawrence was fantastic in it. I, I really enjoyed her. Um, yeah, no, no I, it just felt like a good solid. It doesn't feel like a. It doesn't feel like a one of the best of the year type films to me. Um, in the same way that a lot of people feel, I know Owen feels that about Argo, and that's still my favourite film to win the Oscar this year. And I know you feel that about Zero Dark Thirty, and isn't isn't film just a wonderful thing where that can happen? But it, I, I liked it. I just didn't think it was brilliant. I thought it was pretty good. All right, shall we do Triple Bill then? Can I I think quickly, got more. Can I quickly jump in with um, Pet to Being a Wallflower, which I avoided because it's got Emma Watson in, and it looks all quirky and pretentious. Again, precisely the kind of uh, pitfalls that I thought Silver Linings Playbook would have. Very good film, uh, very well made. Uh, Emma Watson's decent in it, although there is one, there's one scene where her English accent just comes through quite, quite worryingly. Um, but um, watch out for Ezra Miller, who plays Patrick in that. He is excellent, absolutely outstanding. Is he the guy from um, uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin? Yes, he's the yeah, okay. odd-looking fella yeah yeah and okay. um, one of the i know there's i've still not seen it i really want to see it but there's a scene where apparently these hipster kids don't know david bowie's heroes did that did that stand out as a really awkward moment that took you out of the film or did you just go with it no i listened to kimo's podcast about that and the yeah. subsequent podcasts there was sort of reader submissions as well about this and like americans were writing in saying that it just wasn't big and stuff it, it was used, you know, if you take it as a cinematic piece, yeah. you know, the effect, cinematic effect, you could sit back and say, do you know what, that's actually, that, that works really well as a, as a piece of cool. cinema. Cool. So, that's, that's all I want to know, because I'm a massive Bowie fan, and I can't believe anyone wouldn't know Heroes, but that, that's interesting. I definitely want to watch that, because I do know, and I just want to give a shout out to one of our regular listeners, at Duke, um, who also goes on the forum as well. He has been looking forward to one of us reviewing this film for ages. He told us about it about three or four months ago. So there you go, and I'm going to watch it soon as well. It's really, really good. Get it watched. Okay. Uh, I think it's out on DVD next week, and currently sat at 213 in the MBB Top 250, if you don't believe it. Oh, okay. Oh, well, here we good. are then. Right. Uh, Triple Bill, this week, it's long awaited return, is which three actors slash actresses would we like to see it make a comeback? Uh, into the world of film and 
I think as well, James, isn't it what we want to see them in or doing? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's in honor of Arnie's big return last week in the last stand. Stallone is back with another big action film this week, Bullet to the Head. Um, and yeah, it's it's who has made big films, and we want them to make that return. So we want them to make that big John Travolta-esque return in Pulp Fiction or Mickey Rourke-esque return in Sin City. You know, who has made big films and gone to nothing? Who do we want to come back? Right, well, I'll go first because, unfortunately, for one reason or another, I haven't put much thought into it. Um, so I don't have time. Um, <laughs> so, so, I, so I've winged it. Um, I'm going to start off with... Um, do you know who my favourite actor of all time is? Who? Mr. Sidney Poitier. <laughs> No, that was that was just a joke for me to get another office office reference into the podcast. That's not actually one of my um I've not seen enough films to judge it on. Okay, the first one is Rick Moranis. Yes. It it's, was in my also ran list. It's it's about time he came back and, and made some of my favourite childhood films again. Um I need to stop living in the past, so I need him to come back, remake all these films and ruin my childhood for me. Yeah. Um but yeah. Anything, just in any kind of film like you know, Ghostbusters, Spaceballs, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, getting back into something like that. He had quite a valid reason for retirement, though, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, I don't he know. had to look after his children or something. He, he, I think he looked after his wife. His wife got ill, I think, so he oh, took some time out to look after his wife, and then just thought, you know what? I actually really enjoyed not being part of films anymore. Oh, oh uh, she died. She actually yeah. died. Yeah. Just sort of He's stopped. a single parent. Yeah, God. Yeah. So, that's really sad. Do you know what? Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is one of only about four films I've seen more than once in the cinemas. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Trivia for you. I saw it at um, three different um, friends' birthday parties back in the summer of 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it this year, actually. First time in ages. I thought it's no. still, still some, some of it's still really good. I'd like Ante. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does kind of. Some of it. I mean, like I say, there's some of the effects are a bit dodgy, but some of yeah. them are still brilliant. Uh, second on my list, of course, it was going to be Emilio Estevez. I just want Mighty Ducks 4. <laughs> That's what I have to ask. Um, and I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've got two ideas in my head. One, like all the, all the adults now get challenged to a rematch in some shape or form by that Iceland team they beat in the final of the, the World Children's Winter Olympics which I don't actually think exists, um, but it did for the purpose of this film. So they all come back to that. Uh, or, just more typically, one of their kids is now in a little ice hockey team and they have to be called the Mighty Ducks and, and go on Mighty Ducks 4. Um, the original kids are all washed up alcoholics. Mm, I think that might be a problem. I mean, you know, getting five or six of them off of drugs and able to film, film again is just going to be too difficult, so... Probably just get yeah. Estevez and Jackson back and do Mighty Ducks 4 with, right, with some kids. Pros. They'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, which will be fine by me. Finally, it's a bit of a tenuous one because I don't think he's strictly speaking retired, but, but looking at his filmography, I wouldn't be putting any of these down on my CV for the last few years. Is, is Mark Hamill just get him back, make him King Jedi or something for the new Star Wars films and, and that'll do fine for him. I feel a bit sorry for him because he probably thought after A New Hope, that went down really well. I'm going to be a big star. And then he got in a car crash or something and he had monged his face up a bit and he didn't look as... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look... 
he didn't look like the fresh-faced youngster that he was in A New Hope. It probably ruined sort of his, his career as like a, a young, good-looking film star. Um, and then Harrison Ford got his way being all badass. So. You're saying he's like a real-life Joker. Yes. And he's, <laughs> is yeah. that why he's such a great Joker in the animated series? Is because he's suffered severe physical and emotional trauma? Quite possibly. Um, but yeah, bring him back for the new Star Wars films, make him like boss of the Jedi or something. He's got to go and get a load of new ones because there's some other kind of evil kicking off. He's probably. Do you know what? I think that's how JJ Abrams actually pitched it. <laughs> <laughs> that, was his, that was his exact. Thing. He needs to phone me and get me on board. What do we do, Steve? Well, make Mark Hamill king. Yeah, yeah. Make Mark <laughs> Hamill king Jedi. He has to find some new ones because they're all dead except him. And there's some new kind of bad guy kicking off in the galaxy. <laughs> in fact, that's the scroll. Yeah, and that is better than reading shit about tax and trade blockades from Phantom Menace. So, there we go. He's probably the best voice actor going now, Steve, to, to give him his due. Yeah, but he's not doing any films, is he? He's just doing, like, cartoons <laughs> and things. We, we should film career resurrected, not everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, that's that's my inane ramblings done. Um, one of you jump in now and take on your three. James, go on. Okay, um, I'm going to start off with a very personal one first, because uh, um, I'm so old. Um, I, I want to see the return of Molly. I want to see the return of Molly Ringwald. Okay, Molly Ringwald um, was a crush of mine in my my younger years. Molly Ringwald, if you don't know, appeared in Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. Um she was she was the teen star of the time. She was John Hughes Muse. Um and sadly her career went a little bit wrong. Unbelievably she turned down the lead roles in Pretty Woman and Ghost and then went on to star in the TV adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, and basically never did another film again. And it's a really sad story. In fact, she did have a cameo in Not Another Teen Movie um, in 2001, and she's currently on some kind of family sitcoms. I, I just want to see Molly Ringwell back in a proper role, um, possibly as, I don't know, the mum in some teen horror slash pick, and she turns out to be like the the bad person that do me but yeah molly ringwald one there was a sad mo- really kind of like poignant sad moment in the muppets one of the few poignant sad moment in the muppets from last year um where kermit's going through his roller deck looking for celebrities and he's clearly been out of, and he calls for president carter and stuff like that and his finger comes across molly ringwald in his roller deck <laughs> maybe what a little tear to my eyes um so yeah, that's my first one, and I was pretty sure there wasn't going to be any crossover there. The second one of mine is, how can someone who starred in Jurassic Park and Independence Day <laughs> not making big films? Leave? I'm talking about Jeff Goldblum. I Jeff, think you've got my notes there, James. Jeff, <laughs> Jeffrey Lynn Goldblum. But aren't they meant to be um, making Independence Day 2? And him, him, and, Big, and, him and Big Willie star to be back. That would be amazing. And everything will be right with the world. They're, they are making a new Jurassic Park, mm. um, and I, I hope to fucking God he's in that film. Because 
he is actually he's a, he's such a fascinating screen presence. He um he made his debut in uh Death Wish. Death Wish. Yes. Death Wish. Um, you say you've got notes. Is he on your list as well, Owen? He is. Yeah. Oh, he is. Oh, crossover. It's like you were reading my notes to start with. Full crossover. He plays freak number one in Death yeah. Wish. <laughs> he plays basically this rapist. Yeah. Um, it's a, bit of, it's a bit weird when you first spot him and you think, Jesus, that's Jeff Goldblum. What's he exactly. doing? Um, no, um, Jeff. No, Jeff. Don't do it, Jeff. And then he does it. <laughs> and he's in, um, he's in Annie Hall really briefly as a man at Hollywood Party going, mm. this is Davis, I forgot my mantra. Um, and then he goes on to be in, well, The Fly is, I'd say, is one of his iconic roles. Uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly, which I adore. I watched it as a young kid. It scared the crap out of me, but it's it's a fantastic film. And then yeah, he went on to be in two of the very biggest films of the nineties: Jurassic Park, um, also starred in the Lost World sequel, um, and Independence Day. And he is he is such a charismatic screen presence, and I cannot understand why he's not in films. Owen, can you? You'd, you'd much rather Ian Malcolm come back into Jurassic Park and Alan Bloody Grant. He's a bit boring. <laughs> And the thing is, watching Jurassic Park, I wanted to be a mathematician for about six weeks. Because <laughs> I was like, what? Being a mathematician means wearing leather and like talking about chaos. Chaos theory he, sounds amazing. He, he, is, he is to maths what Indiana Jones is to archaeology. Damn straight, Ian. That's, that's, a lo- that's lovely, actually. That's why I'm um, here. And because you're lovely, yes. <laughs> um, he, he appeared on Sesame Street as an Indiana Jones style um caricature um called Minia Minneapolis Jones. <laughs> so just nice. Um so yeah that's that's my number two and obviously <laughs> one of one of us as well is Jeff Goldblum. Come back Jeff please. Yeah I haven't seen anything in well uh, anything with him in since he was in the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizek. And that was two thousand four. He's done yeah. he's done things but I can't say I've ever heard of any of them. He's done no, exactly. he's done some T V. He actually took over um, as like a lead character in um, uh, Law and Order: Criminal Intent for two series, which just seems really very un Jeff Goldblum. So mm. I'll tell you what he has been doing. He's been what? doing a lot of theatre because I've seen him on Broadway and he's fucking amazing. Oh yeah. Oh god, I'm so jealous. Yeah. I, what did you see him in? The Pillow Man. Okay. Which you've probably never heard of. Uh, no, no. It's Jeff Goldblum is. Um, the police officer interrogating, there's a, oh, it's got Billy Crudup. Remember Billy Crudup? Yeah, yeah. And the Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen, wasn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a writer and he, he's written some, like, really grisly short stories. And someone's been carrying out a load of child murders, which mm-hmm. are strikingly similar to his short stories. And Jeff Goldblum is the policeman interrogating him in it. Oh, it's wow. the best play I've ever seen. There you go. How many plays have you seen? One, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <what>, three. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what's, 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 well, I'll just to say he mar- he was married to Gene Davis for a bit, and this is my favourite bit of his Wikipedia profile. At one point, it just says in a single line, "Goldblum follows in inverted commas Eastern religions." <laughs> that's it. That's all it says on that. So, God knows what that means. Um, my Which final God? one is a legend. It's the Manners one. Uh, he's been nominated for five Academy Awards. He's won two of those Academy Awards. He's also won three Golden Globes, two BAFTAs. 
Um, his name is Eugene Allen, Gene Hackman. Um, oh, I just really want Sidney Gene Hackman make one more film. I, I love Gene Hackman. Um, he's been in a huge amount of stuff. Really interesting. Back in the um, 50s, he joined the Pasadena Playhouse in California, and he was friends with Dustin Hoffman there. And they were seen as outsiders by their classmates. And Hackman and Hoffman were voted least likely to succeed. Fucking told them, didn't they? Um, they went to New York, um, ended up on Broadway. Uh, and Gene Hackman ended up in... Um, he got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Bonnie and Clyde, uh, I think, which was Fade on the Way and Warren Beatty. Um and he nearly accepted the role of Mike Brady in the TV series of The Brady Bunch, but his agent, in a rare, one of these rare moments where agents tell the actors to do the right thing, um, the agent said, no, wait for a better part. And his better part that he got was um, Popeye Doyle in The French Connection, directed by William Friedkin, uh, which he won his first Oscar for. Um, he went on to star in The Poseidon Adventure. He starred in The Conversation, also nominated for an Oscar there. He was also in Young Frankenstein as well, uh, which was really popular. And then he went on to, in some ways, it's his iconic role, which is a good and a bad thing. But in the Superman series, uh, he played Lex Luthor, and that's probably what he's most famous for. But it's really funny in those Superman films. He's a fantastic comic presence there. Um he went on to earn another Best Actor nomination for Mississippi Burning in the 80s, which is a great uh, film about apartheid in America uh, in the 1940s, 1950s in Alabama. No, where's Mississippi? Is that Alabama? Mississippi's a state, isn't it? And a river. I thought it was a river. It's a river It's a river. and it's a state. Yeah, you're, right. you're exactly right. I'm, I'm I can't use spell it. Yeah. M I double S I double P I double P. No, fucked it. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but it, one of his greatest roles, um, which earned him his second Oscar, was in Unforgiven. He played the um, Bill Dagger in Unforgiven. Um, he then that year went on to star with Tom Cruise in The Firm. And his his last kind of big things that he did were he was in. Enemy of the State, the Tony Scott film starring Will Smith, which is, I, I still love Enemy of the State, I think it's a fantastic film. Very similar to his role in the um, the conversation. And a bit like Jeff Goldblum, the last time I saw him in anything good, uh, it was a Wes Anderson film, and it was as the the patriarch of the Tenenbaum family in uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. And his last film was Welcome to Mooseport with Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Ray. And I just feel he needs to come back. He needs just do one more film that's not a film with Ray Romano. Um, among his films that you haven't mentioned, I mean, mm. a lot of the films that you have mentioned are excellent. I quite like him yeah. in The Replacement because he's just an American football film, Keanu Reeves. I don't know why. I like that film. The sporting underdog films. I've, I've not seen it. I've not seen it. It's, it's, but, um, it's, it's, quite, it's quite entertaining. This is just a typical sporting underdog film where, yeah. where, essen- nice. where essentially all the and all the proper American football players from this NFL team go on strike. So he comes in as an old coach. They bring him back, and he's just got to find a load of like old players or players that haven't been picked by someone to form a team. And it's just one of those really by the book sporting underdog films, but it's actually quite enjoyable. 
But you, you, you'd already mentioned all the good films he's been in, so I thought I'd mention that I, one. I, I, actually, um, The Birdcage. Actually, I, I really love The Birdcage. Great film starring him and Robin Williams and Nathan. Like, he's, he's, he does comedy really well, and he's just a great actor. And I think he, he needs to come back and just do one more. I'd, I'd quite like to see him in a kind of like aging mafioso type, aging crime lord type role. I think that that's what I want to see. Or like Lex Luthor's dad in the new Superman films or something, in the way that um, uh, Leonard Nimoy came back for the start, the new Star Trek film. Some, something like that. That would be mm. nice. But Gene Hackman would fucking love you, son. Uh, right, Jerry, go on. You're free. Oh, just for the big build there, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want, a fucking drum roll? If, you, if you're offering it. No. <laughs> yeah. Go on, well. get on with it. Now, now I feel special. I feel like a beautiful little snowflake now. Thanks. Uh, number one, suspect I'm going to get some crossover with Owen. Well, I suspected until James revealed this beforehand. I went for Jean-Claude Van Damme. Apparently Owen doesn't think he needs a comeback. <laughs> there are a couple of reasons I haven't first. I'll let you talk first and then I'll debate it with you. Right, basically. I mean, he's done The Expendables 2 this year. Before that, he did Master Croc in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did JCVD, which yeah. was basically a film about how fucking badly he needs to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and he also did a reality TV series. And about 16 straight to DVD Universal Soldier films that no one in the fucking world has watched. Um, Not from Owen. Not from me. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I'd love to see him back. I want to see like Kickboxer Two, No Retreat, No Surrender Two, Street, <laughs> Street Fighter Two. Hang on, he done he done five films in two thousand and twelve. How does he need a comeback? Um, they're shit films. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, say that I've not uh, seen them, but they're shit films. Like debate there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's the. His best role in years was in Expendables 2. I agree. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda 2 the year before, as much as we can ridicule him for being in it or whatever, it's the highest grossing film he's ever been in. You know? Yeah, voice roles don't count. Last, last year he <laughs> done Universal <laughs> Soldier no Day of Reckoning. Was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good point, actually. But there, there was a time when he was one of the top three action stars in the world. Yeah. And, and it would be nice to see. The, the fact is, Stallone and Arnie have got their own vehicle. Expendables 2 wasn't his vehicle. He was part of it. Um, Kung Fu Panda wasn't his vehicle. It was based, you know, based on the existing franchise. I, I agree. He was, with, look, he was, he was playing second string to Jack Black. In that yeah. Film. It would be nice to see someone go, oh my god, there's a new Jean-Claude Van Damme action film. I bet it's amazing. I'm cop uh, two. Someone apart from Owen. <laughs> But he was a chamber. I think he went to he went to try and do some um, sort of comedy roles. So he ended up in like Russian films, and he was sort of just trying his hand at that, really. And he did that reality TV show as well. Yeah, yeah. Was, that, that's um, never. Yeah, that's always a sign of someone who doesn't need to come back, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the best example. Um, <laughs> but he, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see him in a in a good. John claude Van Damme vehicle, but I don't know whether he can... I say this as someone who loves his films, and I've liked some of the films he's been in recently, but I don't know whether he would carry off a film on his own 
in the same way anymore, if you see what I mean. So, I think so he would could, be best as a supporting actor. You couldn't see him doing a kind of Last Stand-style film? Not fantastically well. Not okay. to the same level, though. I mean, I love Van Damme. I think, he, you know, you talked about being one of the three best action stars at one point in time. He's still one. He's probably my second favourite after Arnie. And JCVD kind of shows he's got acting ability. So he could do something a bit different, yeah? But um, I think the problem is, once you've got Van Damme in a film, everyone just goes, right, now Roundhouse kicks someone in the face. And then... That's that right. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of gets built up as that character. Even in the, the, the last Universal Soldier film, mm. um, it was all about Scott Adkins, who I've talked about very briefly. Yeah. And, and Van Damme's kind of like a... a a character in the background. He does really well in it. I think he's great in his little role. And it's mm. very kind of dark character he plays, much more so than some of the other Universal Soldier films. But it's kind of, that's how he, he is best now, I think. Okay. As the villain in Expendables 2, he was brilliant. And mm. I just think that's, that's probably his role in the future. So, yeah. I don't yeah. know how a comeback would be if he was started playing the hero again. What, what's your next film, Jerry? It's the actor, person. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd go for a bit of gender diversity. So for yeah. sort of actresses from from films that I, I like that were, you know who were a few years ago who, who could still do something. And I thought of Kim Basinger. Because mm-hmm. a the... third comeback then after kind of L.A. Confidential was a bit of a comeback, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not calling Eight Mile a comeback. Oh, thought she was in that. Yeah. Um, really, since Eight Mile, she's she's only made sort of straight to TV or straight to DVD films. Mm. She was in that um, oh, The Death and Life of Charlie St. Cloud, which was the Zac Efron oh, shitbag yeah. film. So she's just doing toss like that, basically. If you think you know L.A. Confidential, she's outstanding in that. She. Yeah. Brilliant in Batman as Vicky Vale. Give, give her that. Come on. Yeah. One's gone silent on me here. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, she is. Agree. Yeah. Um, and really, she she's one of these people who's got a lot of potential and never quite lived up to it, did she? Mm. And oh, I play Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Yeah. Seriously, she got divorced from Alec Baldwin and that was the end of her career. Well, you see why, don't you? Who the fuck would divorce Alec Baldwin? Um, but um, I divorced Alec Baldwin. I've never she married. Was in, I remember <laughs> she was in Cellular, um, which was terrible. She was, um, she was in has something. Has anyone seen Cellular? It's got Jason Statham in it as the bad guy. Oh, God, it's terrible. But it's so watchable. Um, but no, you're right. She's barely, been, like you say, since 8 Mile, just nothing. She's one of those actresses I kind of remember seeing in lots of different things, but if you mm-hmm. ask me to name more than like three other films, I'd struggle. She's just, yeah. I don't know. She needs to um, lower her um, expectations and do some TV. She's not done TV since like 1980. I think her last thing in TV, according to her filmography, was, was herself in The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. In 1998. That was when she was married to, married to Alec Baldwin and Homer made friends with Alec Baldwin and came back. That was a great episode. Um, but yeah. No, it's, it's a good choice. I, do you know what? It's weird. I was thinking I need to get a woman in my choices. Uh, and it's, I struggled a little bit because it tends to be good female actors continue to find work. Maybe not as stars. 
but it it tends to be um, the blokes who get weirdly in a reverse of sexism. It tends to be the blokes that get kicked off the scrap heap by younger, up and coming blokes, and that good female actresses seem to continue to work throughout their career. Just, just yeah, well, I mean, she was a big name, you know. Mm. I, obviously, she was she was a Bond girl as well. Can't remember what film yeah. she was in, but she was she was in a Bond film. I'm looking now. But um, you think about, you know, people like Demi Moore, yeah. you know, occasionally get more, like she was in the Charlie's Angels films yeah. and stuff. Like, Kim Mason just worth one of them. Easy. Yeah, definitely. Right, what's your last one then, Jerry? My last one. Um, <clears throat> this is, again, another one based on current quality rather than actually whether they're making stuff. Mm. Is Robin Williams. Mm. Interesting. Because Robin Williams, when he wants to be, is an absolutely outstanding actor. Mm. He is fantastic, particularly, you know, particularly as a serious actor as well as a. As he's a I think I prefer him as a serious actor. Yeah, actually. I much prefer yeah. him as a serious actor. As, I mean, taking nothing away from him, when he, when it's right, his comedy is really funny. Mm. I think sometimes he gets overdone, it gets overblown. Have you seen yeah. him? Have you seen World's Greatest Dad? I haven't. No, that's fantastic. I got it for Christmas. I got it for Christmas. I've not watched it. Watch yet. it. Watch it, watch it now. That's film, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that, he's really good in that. Yeah. And in, in kind of a both funny and serious combination. Okay. Cool. I, saw, I saw him, well, he did the voiceover in um, the animated film Robots. He was really fucking annoying in that. Oh, Every single word of Aladdin, he's incredible. Uh, oh, yeah. 30-odd minute um, role in Aladdin is... That's him at his comedy best. You're exactly right. But yeah, no, I think I agree with Jerry. Um, his his serious role, Goodwill Hunting. I'm not a massive fan of, but he is by far the absolute best thing in that film. He's incredible in that film. He's um, he's done a lot of sort of serious films. You know, he did like um, One Hour Photo. Yeah, um, yeah, he's very good in that. Insomnia. Insomnia. Uh, yeah, really insomnia. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, he, there's obviously there's the kind of he's got a good range to him. Really, he's done sort of silly stuff like, um, like Well, he's done stuff like that, and then he, you know, there's Jumanji, which like he hits the right note. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he has a bit of a. Uh, he seems to need the right project, really. Yeah, and that there is right for him. Some of them I mentioned it earlier. Um, the Birdcage as well. He's fantastic in the Birdcage with Gene Hackman and Nathan Lane. That's uh, that's a great film if you've not seen that. Um, definitely, definitely worth watching because he. Um, I think that's to me that's my favourite comic role of his since uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. That's 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 a good recommendation. I'm going to give you that. Yeah, he's <laughs> in a lot of like films that you associate with your childhood as well. Maybe yeah. not, maybe not James because he's ancient, but I mean the rest of us anyway. <laughs> James was watching uh, Mark and Mindy when he was yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Mark and Mindy's my child. I mean, you, you go, you go yeah, from Aladdin and Toys and uh, Hook, Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji and Jack. Yeah. I, I, I lose interest at Flubber if those kind of films for him. I mean, that's when it Jack. went. You've seen... I've still not seen Jack. Oh, either. Jack is a great film. Yeah. Really? It looks terrible. I've, I've, I've only seen it when I was a child, Martin. I haven't seen it, like, grown up, so it might it, it might be rubbish about now. A, about a child that's grown into a man quicker than all the other... It looks shocking. Oh, no, it's really tastefully done. Well, my childhood memory of it yeah. is that it's quite nice. <laughs> Just watch, watch that and 
and watch the other film that I just told you to watch as well. World's Greatest Dad. Watch both yeah, of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch both. Yeah, but you said you said, but you, said you were going to watch Troll Hunter and you still haven't. So. Yeah, but I've actually got it on DVD here. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I will watch Troll Hunter at some point. Do you know what, Steve? You can make Troll Hunter the, uh, your choice in the Oscars challenge, which I'll explain at the end of this podcast okay. if you want. All right, well, we best get on towards that point then, so we know what to do Owen's but, triple uh, bill. I've got Owen's. Yes, that's why I just... Yeah, that's why I just, that's why I just, that's why I just, that's what I just said. So we've got to do Owen's triple bill. <laughs> right, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, one of mine's already gone, which was Jeff Goldberg. And, um, the other, I'd said there were two reasons I didn't pick Van Damme. One was because I didn't think he needed to come back particularly. Um, and the other one was because when I kind of looked at my shortlist, I realised that three of the actors on it were from Jurassic Park, so I went for a Jurassic Park theme. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So the first so one. Hunt, then. You haven't gone for Judge Ryan. No. <laughs> so the, the first one is uh, something who, someone who's a bit of a hit and miss actor, and I think Steve will probably disagree with me from his comment earlier. But Sam Neill, whose best role is from Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Park as Doctor Alan Grant. I, I can remember him in Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park Three, and that science fiction film that names Event Horizon. Is it Event, Event Horizon? Horizon is That's in, all yeah. I can but remember him being in. I quite like Event Horizon. Yeah, I mean he's good as um, Lawrence Benny Fishburne. And, yeah. yeah. Damien Thorne plays them um, in mm. the third Omen film, where he's sort of an adult. He's the best thing about that film, because most of that film is a bit crap. And he's in stuff like Hunt for Red October as well, and he was in that mini oh, mini series yeah. Triangle. Was um, he in the remake of Cape Fear? Or was he in some kind of, like, thriller on water? Uh, yeah, Triangle, which was a mini TV series about the Boomerang. Oh, okay. Triangle. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, I don't know. I thought um, he was, like, Dead Calm or something like that. I'm welcome. Oh, um, may- maybe. I yeah, you carry on going, Owen. I'll let yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I quite <laughs> like him in the stuff I've seen him in. I've not seen all of his sort of back catalogue, so you know, you're talking about the film he's been in where it was on water. I've no idea, but um, the stuff that Judas. I've seen him in. Was he? Yeah. Oh. He was Thomas Wolsey in the, in the Tudors. Oh. Uh, no, I did, and I've not seen the Tudors, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. So, yeah. like two episodes. He was <laughs> he was in Dead Calm as well. Just, oh, yeah. there you go. He, he was in Alcatraz. I know that was on TV, and it was absolutely terrible. But he was, not it? But um, yeah, I mean, this, he's been speaking confirmed for Jurassic Park Four as well. Well, I'm glad because I want I want to see both him and um, Ian Malcolm, you know, yeah, uh, Goldblum come back together for Jurassic Park Four because they were in the separate films. Hang on, I'm just looking. Apparently, oh no, hang on, no, that's not. Well, while you're looking, if we had thought about this in advance, this is how. Uh, excellently organised we are listeners we could yeah. have had Bicentennial Man as the link between Sam Neill and Robin Williams oh look at oh, that nice. a lovely yeah. Isaac Asimov story <laughs> but um, yeah I mean he was he was recently in the J.J. Abrams TV show Alcatraz but I don't think that was received particularly well I mean I watched the first episode and I thought it was a bit shit actually um, I, I, I watched know, more than one episode before I decided it was shit yeah uh, but it was <laughs> Ed Hurley from Lost in it as well so I was quite looking forward to seeing him in something else but yeah oh, I've just worked out who Owen's third one is sorry I'll shut up <laughs> okay but you know now that he's a bit older I think he's sort of at the perfect age really to play some more of these kind of political drama films that are quite popular at the minute you know stuff like I Just March and, and so yeah. on I think he's got that look and that sort of yeah. that style the way he sort of carries himself I think he'd be good in, that, in a role of that sort of that sort of nature, but you know, 
failing that, I'd like to see them in a bit more sci-fi and, of course, in Jurassic Park 4. Yeah. Yeah. Good so my choice. second choice, which I think James... I think I, think I know who it is now. Yeah. Is a bloke who's probably most well-known for his roles in TV shows. So he's in yeah. Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. And the Seinfeld reference as well might have given it away. Yeah. He's been in lots of other films. Uh, I'm talking about Dennis Nedry, Officer Don. Newman, uh, which is Wayne Knight. Um, yeah, and, and and Toy Story Two, the um, yes. weird chicken now. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and in Space Jam, don't forget. He was in Space Jam. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. Actually, for some reason, I thought he was dead until I looked up what he was doing. <laughs> he's I a thought... big lad. It wouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> he's only he's only fifty seven years old. I can't believe it. I don't know. He's yeah. clinging on for dear life. <laughs> He's also in Kung Fu Panda, just to uh, oh, yeah. just, just to link to other things. He's also in Curb as himself. Yes, I, I yes. don't I don't think you want to oh, work no, him too play, hard. Does he play Newman in Curb? Curb your enthusiasm. I think he plays <laughs> Wayne Knight playing. Yeah, he's oh, okay, okay. Union, so he does play yeah. Wayne Knight in it. Yeah, didn't he, uh, okay. didn't he die in um, Jurassic Park? Yeah, he does. He gets some um, killed by the weird. Oh, um, fucking spoilers. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, fuck off. It's 25 years. <laughs> fuck off. Um, shaving. Do you know what? You put dinosaur eggs in shaving foam as well. There you go. Um, yeah, the big um, fan um, creature that mm-hmm. spits. Yeah. Well, he's, a, he's a very funny man. And, you know, everything I've seen him in, he's been very funny in it. Um, particularly in the old sitcoms he was in. I thought he was brilliant in Third Rock from the Sun and and Seinfeld fantastic in Seinfeld yeah. yeah and you know surely there must be a role for him in some modern comedy film I mean he can do physical comedy very well because it's all all in his expressions and his mannerisms that he's just very funny the way he delivers lines as well it's fantastic um, but I can't see any reason on IMDB or on Wikipedia that kind of explains exactly why he suddenly stopped appearing and stuff he started doing a lot of voices rather than lots of voiceovers yeah lots yeah. of and stuff. Oh, he was in um, he was in Torchwood. He was in the American Torchwood series for a few episodes as well recently. Uh, they did an American version, though. Yeah, they they did a they did. Well, it was Torchwood, but it was mostly set in America. It was uh, bad. Oh yeah, yeah. And it had um Bill Pullman in it. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, not but you good. know, with the amount of stuff, Will Ferrell films that released all the time, yeah, you know, stuff like last year's uh, their camp- the campaign, which yeah. had people like um. Dan Aykroyd in it, and John Lithgow was in it as well. Dan Aykroyd was on my nearly, nearly list. Probably. He was on my nearly list. Yeah. <laughs> but surely there is an opportunity for him to get a supporting role in something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice choice. You've gone for the little man there. Yeah, not he, the big yeah. star. Well, he's, he's not little, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, he edged, he edged out Kurt Russell from my list. I think he's Kurt <gasps> Oh, I didn't even think of Kurt Russell. Oh, man. No one picked Steven, no Steven Seagulls either. No. For good reasons. It's complex we want to see, Steve. Yeah. Steven Seagal's got his own energy drink, so he's doing all right. Diversifying. He's he's going to be reincarnated as the Dalai Lama, so he's literally got the best comeback already lined up, so he's fine. Um, Just, I I had a couple of other also rounds. I had um, Juliette Lewis. I'd like to see Juliette Lewis in more films. I think she's fantastic. I think I most recently saw her in Whip It. Um, and there was someone, oh no, yeah, my other one was Judge Reinhold. I want to see Judge Reinhold in my films <laughs> just because I want to relive my 80s youth. I don't know if anyone else had any 
Castaways. I also had David Cross because I'm sick of seeing his name appear in stuff like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, David. He was good in um, the uh, the Todd Margaret thing that was on the other year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought it, I thought that was actually pretty funny. But it, it was quite good. I'd actually like to see Will Arnett do more. Um, yeah, the films as well. But yeah, but I think they're both kind of <laughs> just yeah, who do we want to be the development to be yeah. in more films? <laughs> Jason Bateman. I'm getting a bit sick of him. Uh, well, right, yeah. so we're um we're done now then. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're done. We've got we've got there. We started at the start. Now we're here at the end. Um, and uh, we've done some stuff in the oh middle as well. Yeah, new, we've got a new little bit. That's all, Steve. Sorry, I'm have interrupting we? you again. What, what yeah, new little got, bit have we got? Um, we have got the best film on TV uh, this weekend. It's a new little section, new little kind of public information section. I sent it in an email, Steve. Come on, let me read your emails. Yeah, I not pay much attention <laughs> to you. <laughs> now, um, I'm just having to look up uh, which film I went for now. Um, so, yeah, each week on, well, every day, kind of, meant to be on Twitter, we tell people, and our Twitter account is at FailCritics, tell people the best film on TV that day. Um, and we've decided to extend that slightly to the podcast. So we're going to tell you, if you watch this before the weekend, you'll have time to set your video recorder. Yeah, that's it, your VHS recorder, set your VHS timer. Do you remember Video Plus when you used to enter, have to enter like eight-digit numbers to... No, no one remembers, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, does no one remember that? No. Video Plus? No. I do. I do. Nah, thanks, Jerry. Good man. But, um, but Jerry and Owen are far more northern than me, and you've got to remember they're at least five years behind the south <laughs> of the country. That's very true. Um, so, what I'm going to. My. Um, Hold up. Story. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> just. just it's where, whereabouts exactly do you live, Steve? Just throw this out there. You're if, not exactly in a bustling metropolis. If, are I, you? if, I, if I was any more south, I'd be on the Isle of Wight. I'm not saying anything great. It's not like the Isle of Wight. Last week. <laughs> Steve basically lives on a cliff. I can see the <laughs> sea from, from Steve is Portland Bill. Um, I can I can see the sea from my house. I mean, not now. It's night time. It's dark. I can't now. But if it was yeah. sunny, you know, daylight, I could. Yeah, being near the edge of a country doesn't mean anything. That's all it is. But anyway, best film on TV this weekend. Um, in reference to two of our choices on Saturday the ninth of February, kind of Sunday morning, because it's on a um. 20 to 1 in the morning, but Film 4 are showing David Cronenberg's The Fly starring Jeff Goldblum. That is the best film on this weekend. Excellent. So, what is next week? Um, next week, our main review is the new Disney film Wreck-It Ralph, the 8-bit computer nostalgia animation film. Um, and, yeah, the usual shit. Good. Um... <laughs> And in the week after, we've got Die Hard 5. And I won't be here for that, so you're all fine. You're going to talk about Die Hard without me. I'm going to be in Scotland trying to yeah. stop being beaten up. Maybe we should all watch as many Die Hard films as we can for that week and then talk about that. Just Die Hard constantly. Yeah, I'd be up for a Die Hard podcast. Whatever you want. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, time to go then. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for everyone for contributing. Thanks for... Uh, Kevin, what's the name for the music? Cheers, cheers, Kev.